Hello and welcome to the Tokyo Pod Tokyo Podfathers podcast. Seasonal impressions with me, your host, Colonel Panic. And joining me today are some guests. Uh, first up, we have Minus. Hello. We have C5. Good to be back. And we have Aspiring Shoulder. Hello. First time doing one of these. <laughs> nice. First time for everything. Also, first time in a long time that Moss won't be joining us. I think the plan is for me to take the reins on these going forward. So, you know, that's gonna be fun. I'm only watching like eight shows this season, but usually what happens is I come away from these impressions having gotten an interest in a couple more. So I, do, I usually don't front load my season because I know I'm gonna find some more later. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, that makes sense. It depends on the season. Like, I remember, like, last winter, I could only think of, like, Vinland Saga, and then I thought of some other stuff later on. Right. Well, it's a big season. I had a league... We got Freer in last season. That was, like, my biggest wish for a long time. And then, at some point, it was announced that we were getting a dungeon meshy. It's like, it's the, it's the season of the elf, and I could not be more pleased. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, elf, elf fans are... Elf we're, fans are finally uh, eating good. Although we're eating I, I'm good, not sure how much, I'm not sure how much uh, eating good they're doing, uh, considering one of the elves and one of the big shows is uh, her existence is suffering. I mean, she's a piggy eater, you know. It's gonna. Well, she... <laughs> we'll get to that when we talk to Del when we talk about Delicious Dungeon. I mean, elf fans are eating so good that like people are going back to I think last winter season they picked they found some show called like uh, Otaku Elf or something. Oh yeah, I heard that one. It's like yeah. the gamer elf one, I think. It's like yeah, an elf goddess who is just like a shut-in oh, gamer. Otaku Elf, yeah, <laughs> there's, a, the, there's an elf for everyone. A hiki elf that uh, everyone uses it, as it, a constant in their lives to provide some degree of comfort amidst an ever-changing world. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched the first episode. It was okay. I might do more. I mean, she is a cute elf. I think the common thread mm. for all elves is that they have to be a little bit autistic. That seems to be a trend. <laughs> they can't just be <laughs> like the like everybody else in the series. They have to be like shut-ins or obsess about spells that don't do anything. <laughs> I'm not sure if everyone would say it that way, but I can't say that you're, you know, wrong. They have to be, they have to have a quirk. They can't just be, quote unquote, a normal person <laughs> in the worlds they live in. It's not enough that they're like thousands of years old. Yeah, they have to like distinguish world. themselves, I guess, throughout like some personality trait is always there. Turns out having been alive for centuries and looking special, that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Looking special does help, though. The elf ears are uh, the elf always ears an are, excellent feature. They're a dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it seems that anime elves, for anime elves at least, they tend to have ears that are at least like 20, 25 centimeters. They're not like Tolkien elves, where you can, you can yeah. barely tell. Like, if, if Legolas didn't have his hair up, you wouldn't be able to tell. Someone will make a chart eventually. Yeah, the elf chart. Yeah, definitive, <laughs> and definitive, like, elf ear chart. I mean, someone did make one, because we're having... There's a lot of series with half-elves, and then there's full-elves. It's like, full-elf, that's like the long... Like, an ear span of <laughs> a couple feet. 
<laughs> and like really pointy. Uh, yeah. Bull elves use their ears as wings to fly. They are now airborne predators. Right. That's, yeah, that's what they don't show here. Like, Freerin can fly, but they don't show that it's actually the ears. How do you think she knows about the hunting habits of flying monsters? You don't know what she does <laughs> she, with her ears at night. She was, she was raised by griffins. Alright. With that out of the way, let's get right into the list of shows we'll be talking about. I've prepared a list of 14 shows with only, Ooh. I think, one of them being a show that only one of us is watching, and it's me. <laughs> so, so you can let's, guess what show that is. We can all guess what show that is. Turns out High Dive is being, like, <laughs> the biggest bros of the season. They're, <laughs> they're carving out their niche as the... Uh, they'll air the uncensored shit, and that's that's cool. <laughs> that they, we still have them for that. Shoutouts to High Dive for licensing niche stuff in general. Otherwise, uh, right. we would have never gotten the story of a reincarnated Three Kingdoms era military strategist in modern Japan helping an aspiring singer to reach the top of the music world. Oh shit, did they uh, do fiction? Did they, did they do Komei? Yeah. They did yeah, Komei, yes. As a Chinese American. Well. Awesome. Yeah. As a Chinese-American Three Kingdoms nut, uh, that show was my personal crack for a good while, so uh, thank you for, for the, thank you to the good folks over at High Dive. Also, special shout-out to translator Jake Jung for translating uh, 100 fucking 92 bars of verse into English on a weekly schedule. Nice. Yeah. I mean, go to its show. It ended kind of weak, but we're, we're thankful for what we got. All right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think I would love a show that is basically Kingdom X Love Live, but apparently it was Pete, <laughs> so there we go. We can right. watch it together, uh, C5. I think... I I'm not quite sure if it's going to have the same appeal as Kingdom or Love Live to you, but I, it's definitely fun. I can promise that. Oh, do you mean Kongming itself? Well, uh, well, well like, Kongming already finished airing. So what show are we talking about? Oh, uh... Kong Ming. Sorry. Uh, your boy Kong Ming, the oh. uh, story of, uh, Chinese Three Kingdoms era military strategist, uh, uh, Zhuge Liang, courtesy name Kong Ming, uh, reincarnating into modern Japan and deciding to help a young singer that he meets to, uh, reach the top of the music world. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it, I've seen it. I'm sorry, I should have made it clear that I've actually, have watched it. Right. But oh. speaking of the show we're talking about, let's move on to the first one. And it's solo leveling. Webtoons are back, baby. <laughs> Yay. Hell yeah. Oh man, the Twitter okay. is awesome. Are we back are we back at the the good old Webtoon is the most hyped comic of all time. <laughs> the fans love it, and then it airs and everybody goes, That's it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that I where mean, we are? I I think so. This, this show so? being at the top of, like, the seasonal chart is telling for this season, is all I'll say. But it's also... It's isn't it, like, the most popular webtoon? It's up there. It's definitely up It's, like, up there, there, but I'm not sure... I, I think it's adapted from, like, a novel that then got turned into a manhwa and then got turned oh. into an anime. <laughs> so right. I'm not sure if that particularly counts... Right, I'm un I'm under the impression that this and like Tower of God are like, the big two. I think it's yeah, yeah I have that impression. God too. of High School or whatever. 
that's probably a, a, bit, a bit late. Yeah, we don't, we don't. God of High School don't. is uh, popular in spite of uh, how mediocre it is, mostly because there are tons of Journey to the West fans like me who stuck around because, ooh, cool, key jingle. Monkey do monkey things. <laughs> oh, look, it's Goku. Goku's in everything. Yeah. This time... <laughs> The, but this cold. solo leveling is not Journey to the West. It is instead Danmachi. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a mix of Gate, which I haven't seen, but I know the premise. Danmachi, which I love. <laughs> and then here in episode three, it's also a little bit One Punch Man, because he, he gets daily quests to do basically the One Punch Man routine of a hundred push-ups, a hundred sit-ups, a hundred squats, and run run ten kilometers, which we all know is the secret to being <laughs> the strongest person on earth. He just needs the juice. That's all he needs. Some orange juice. That's all he needs. We also find out yeah, what happens if juice. you don't do he the failed. daily exercise, and that is what's in the picture right here. You get sent to a desert world, and has to run out. you have <laughs> yes. to outrun monsters for four hours. <laughs> outrun a red centipede for. Yeah, hours. So it's like four days after recovering from having all your extremities ripped off. Oh, your body. I mean, yeah, he he died. He got fucking yeah. <laughs> destroyed. He got and then somehow came like he got better, as they say. Uh, but it, it's 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 a weird version of the monsters of real video game rules in real life set up power fantasy, where he gets like actually punished if he doesn't do the training like he's not just immediately strong he has to train <laughs> yeah i mean i do want to mention because we brought up the charts since Mo moz isn't here um seasonal charts are weird because in summer if you remember last year masamunikun's revenge was like the third most popular one and right. i don't know how that happened so that kind of shows that clearly quality of show does not matter for popularity charts on mao and stuff right I don't think anybody watched that, did they? <laughs> I, I watched that, but oh, once again, we're not going to talk about it. But you, you wish you didn't. You, you, didn't. Don't, I, you don't miss any. You're not missing anything. Like of Masamune and Tokyo Pond and Heimers. No, the, the nothing Tokyo of worth was missed. Yeah, I. I mean, I tried to forget. I watched the first season. It, it was not great. I couldn't imagine watching the second one. <laughs> and, uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, solo leveling. And solo to me, leveling. this this is kind of like I can see this kind of being the like new gen sword art online. It's a bit of that where, as well, yeah. Where like it has mass appeal and that has the gaming mechanics, and I it's not that great, but it looks really pretty and sounds really pretty. Right. But and. I could see that, like, that popularity will catch on, and I could see it being a gateway show once. I think yeah, it's going to be... I like, guess that, that begs the question, is, is it as popular as it is in Korea because it is just sword art online, and that is inherently a type of story that nerds love? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I do feel like the power fantasy aspect is why people consume it, so, like, probably... I mean, obviously people love power fantasies. They keep being shat out and every once in a while, yeah. I watch some and I love them. Like Overlord, that's awesome. Fucking love Overlord. <laughs> but that is very much also helped by the fact that there's a speaking skeleton, which is my favorite ever. <laughs> love skeletons. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's even like new skeleton speaking isekai after that, right? 
Yes. Yeah, I he, <laughs> Overlord pioneered the field of speaking skeletons in Isekai. <laughs> Incredible Which is, stuff. That is that is a very that is a genre for me. <laughs> but yeah, is a specific subgenre in a genre that already has way too many subgenres. It's a subgenre within a subgenre within yeah. a subgenre, but it's the best one. <laughs> it does it the best. You know, I'm glad you found. I'm glad right. you found a hole that you like. I, I found, glad I that you found, found a hole in the wall. This is that my you hole. In. This is my hole. It was made for me. Got <laughs> <laughs> to reference that fucking panel. Oh my god. Uh, so that I mean, I guess yeah, it um, does feel a little bit like solo leveling is the like if if Sword Art Online is like the surface level isekai, not really an isekai power fantasy of anime then this surely is it for webtoons it's like this is probably yeah. what's gonna s i'm sure there's a million knockoffs and i'm it, this probably spawned most of them oh yeah i mean the I thing with manwa is like it's very tropey and you'll see a lot of tropes just re reappearing all the time it's also has a very weird laid out layout with a lot of space between the panels for no fucking reason i can't stand it <laughs> It's yeah, a weird it time to I get can only to. speak from the uh, brief time when I actually read uh, Korean manhwa on webtoons, but it seems like they're like optimized to be read on like vertical screens or oh, phones. They're absolutely these days. made for phones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree that it is fucking annoying whenever you try to read them on a laptop or a computer screen, and it's like, why all this space? Please stop. Like you keep scrolling for three. Like you see, you see one. Po no, not One Punch Man. One Piece. It's like how much shit is crammed into a page, and then you see a manhwa as like inches between every panel. It's complete it's overcorrection. Yeah. yeah, I mean there has to be like a balance, right? Because I think with some manga, even they do it well, where there's like a lot of space, but it still looks good. Like Bleach has a lot of panels where there's a lot of white space in the background, but at least it doesn't feel like there's a lot of missing space of things where there should be. That's Boruto, I think. A lot of empty space where there just isn't anything. Oh, well, Boruto is just one of those where you could probably find like a thousand things to criticize it about. So, check it out. Listen, Boruto already feels like a corpse rotting in the ground, and I, I don't feel good about exhuming that corpse to run it through a meat grinder again. Right. Well, speaking of meat grinder... That first, that first dungeon, huh? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, they kind of got wrecked in that. I still am confused about why they let the main character have the swing vote to go deeper into the dungeon. Right. Because if he's as weak and as much of yeah. like a pussy yeah. as oh, they make man. him out to be, why does why don't they why aren't they just like <laughs> let's just give him. The oh one yeah, the vote is dead like, even. What do you say, he, weakest he, member? He has to be, <laughs> what like, do you are forced to bring him along. Like, why? Why are we giving him an equal say? But yep, you shouldn't get to vote. Yeah, it's and funny why, because he just like happens to have the last vote. He just happens to have the last vote. Like clearly, like the plot just needed the last guy <laughs> who's the weakest to have the last important vote. Well, at least they paid the price for it. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, it although, was I think it, watching them get. 
I think it's dumb that they have to go in with him. Like, why? If you say no and you're like way below the rank it is, then why do you have to go in with them? I just don't get it. In actual video games, you would just not be allowed to enter a raid if you're not high enough level. <laughs> why? Why isn't? The, why aren't those rules yeah. in in place? I I don't know. And also, like when he that like menu popped up i laugh every time they flash back to it because i think Congrats. you had what 0. 0. 0.02 seconds to choose yeah. and i think even if like you have the fastest reflexes on earth you're still not going to be able to make a decision no but it wasn't counting down it just said 0.02 i think time froze okay. and it's like okay, okay. yeah if you, if you if you'd say no you will have 0. 0.02 seconds okay. to reconsider that makes sense i was good then. that makes that makes more sense yeah. i was like if you had 2.02 seconds to read all that and then choose yes and um, then he he has a future we, in like csgo should we perhaps explain what the show is about <laughs> okay yeah good idea uh, good in a in a world where Gates have sprung up and monsters are pouring out and, like, dungeons are appearing. Like, a gate will appear, it has a rating determined somehow, and hunting parties of certain qualifications go in and they remove the gates. Because if they don't remove them within seven days, they open and the monsters spill out. Uh, people, hunters, these hunters aren't just anybody like you have an awakening at some point is something happens inside your head and you get some predetermined level of skill and ability and like one of the guys on the team is like a speedster his power is just he's fast not fast enough but he's fast <laughs> Oh my god, that scene where he gets obliterated. fucking awesome. It's just nothing is left except his feet <laughs> floating <laughs> in the air. It's awesome. Uh, and our main character, what's his name? Song Jin Woo? Song, yeah, Song something. I something forget. like that. It's all Korean names, which is throwing me off, because I'm not used to that. <laughs> they also call each other. They also add like the Japanese honorifics on at the end, which right. confuses like, me even Jin more. Jin Woo san. <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure. I mean, um, I'll bring you up a little later, but with Kingdom, the anime, they the subtitles are the Chinese names, but the voice actors say the Japanese version of the names. Right. But in this, more they sense, just straight right? up say it. Yeah, that makes more sense, I think. I mean, because it works well with the like obviously japanese voice acting and language but here they just straight up say the korean name so it feels I mean, a bit jarring that, that that leads into a pet peeve i don't know if it's pet peeve it's something i don't understand we could get to that later yes. um so yeah our main character sung something uh is like the weakest one there is he's e-level he has no skills he can barely hold a dagger he sucks <laughs> but being a hunter makes apparently enough money that even though he fucking sucks at it and he hates it he will keep going on these excursions to get money for his mom's hospital treatment and his sister's uh, college so somehow he alone is able to afford like full-time healthcare and college off of whatever money a lowest level hunter makes so i would imagine it's quite lucrative and that's why he doesn't just quit because before yeah, that, I mean, he was a construction worker. Yeah, I mean, like Block says in the comments, like, what stops the MC from just living like a civilian life? And I and assumed the answer it was is just capitalism. Because... <laughs> yeah, I just assumed it was because, um, like, 
whatever minimum wage ass job he can get is not enough for like the treatment of his mom and will, like, his sister's college. Will this show but... finally make capitalism eligible for villain of the year? <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. They had Antarctica I'm... that one year with the... <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure Korean work culture, it may not be, you know, as bad as Japan, but right. it can't be, I don't remember it being that much better, so, like, it's not entirely, yeah. you know, insane that this guy's like, look, man, I would rather risk my life and nearly die to, like, some fucking man-made horror, like, horror beyond my comprehension than to go into a 9-to-5 right. and not even make enough fucking money Nine so, to you five. know what? Try Fuck seven it. to <laughs> seven to nine, five to nine. <laughs> seven to seven, motherfucker. Right. Uh, I think, yeah. and this is like, he's not going dungeons every day. He goes dungeons when there is one suitable for his level, and he is able to make a living and support his family off of that. So, it's it seems reasonable that he would just keep at it and hope to improve over time. Keep yeah, going. and the girl as well that like is always with him is like a B rank healer, so it's like mentioned yeah. how she's like generally above the level of dungeons he enters, but because right. she's like so scared, she's like only willing to go lower. At the end of the day, she is just a healer. Like she can't fight. Yeah. So, like she she stays in her lane. She could be she probably could be making bank just going with higher level parties, but she doesn't want to risk it. So that makes sense. Right? Yeah, I get it. That's respectable. Honestly. Respectable. And he just goes on the lowest level stuff possible because that's all he gets invited to. And then one day, they do a dungeon. He almost dies because he sucks. Um, and they f a new little side dungeon opens in the dungeon they're in. So they're like, well, it's a side dungeon in a very low level dungeon. It's probably not that dangerous. Who says go in? Who says yeah, <laughs> yay or nay? We go and we investigate. And like we pointed out, uh, Mr. MC gets the final vote, so they go and check it, and I think six people, like they're a huge party, six people make it out alive. <laughs> so yeah, many, I mean, many people die. It literally turned into like the start of AOT with like the statue giving that creepy ass smile. Yeah, the statue literally yeah. has the face of yeah, the Yeah, they end up in like that big chamber. Small. They end up in a big circular chamber full of statues with axes, some have instruments, which is part of a puzzle. Every single thing in there is basically indestructible and can kill any one of them instantly. <laughs> so like there's there's a there's a puzzle to solve and that's where main character gets to shine is that he figures out the puzzle. Not that it was like the hardest puzzle, but I I guess they do they do show that everybody's under a bit of duress. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. They're like, okay, if we stay still, nothing happens, but we just saw a couple party members get blasted, so we don't want to make any mistakes. And somehow they trust this guy to have figured it out. Um, things happen, and he is left as... Like, they, they get to the final part of the thing, of the trial, and it's like to have to, to prove your faith or something. And everybody runs off, leaving the MC behind, because if everybody leaves the circle, the doors close. So he's stuck there. Like, he's, he willingly sacrifices himself, but, like, as he's about to die, because all these statues are approaching, he's like, well, I, 
I, I pretended to, for this to be heroic, but obviously I don't want to die either. I also have a fucking family. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, speaking of the family bit, is, there was like that really comically brutal scene where like that dude has a flashback <laughs> to his family and then he just gets sliced in half. Like, like I need to live for my family. Like, he gets sliced. I've like, never wow, seen okay. a flag get raised and then like fulfilled so quickly. He's like, I have a family at home. And then 10 seconds later, he's cut in half. Yeah, definitely like a speed run for like most oh, yeah. tragically dumb death, death I've ever seen. <laughs> and the runner gets fucking blasted. Only his sneakers are floating in the air. There's a guy <laughs> who gets like this big statue, just like a side swipe laser beam, catches a bunch of people there. The statues in the circle will just cut you in half if you get too close. It's, yeah, an MC f uh, suffers a brutal end in the middle of this altar. At which point he is presented with a screen saying, Congratulations! <laughs> you qualify for being a player. <laughs> so he chooses to be a player, and he wakes up in a hospital. The dungeon disappeared, and he is alive and well outside, like in the in the hallway that led to the dungeon. And now he is he is seeing a floating screen in front of him, which I think is a little goofy. Which gives him a daily quest and a time limit. If he hasn't completed the quest by midnight, he gets an appropriate punishment. <laughs> so he doesn't do his quest the first day. And at midnight, he is teleported to a desert scape where big red monster sandworms are chasing him for four hours. <laughs> Which, oh, Lord, what are you doing here? How did you get... Wait, no, how, hold on. How did you get to Arrakis? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hold on. No, no, you need to walk arrhythmically. No, you're, you're yeah, fucking wrong. like Mass Effect Thresher Maw is, is chasing him. And I think the most unrealistic part of this show so far has been that he was able to outrun them for four hours. What are you yeah, talking about? What are you happened. talking about? How Especially <laughs> when he's like in the hospital, like just recovering. Yeah. From what he's just still happened. tired. He's like, ah, yeah. man, I can't do this daily quest of running I ten kilometers. I'm tired. <laughs> didn't he get teleported in the middle of the night too? So he's yeah, like, midnight. Gotta be half asleep. <laughs> so he runs from twelve to four a.m. and is then teleported back. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that scene, I initially thought it was going to be one of those things where, like, the training happens in his dream. But no, he just straight up gets teleported out of the hospital and then teleported back. Right. Like, oh, good job. I kind Go of, back to the hospital. I kind of figured he was just going to be killed immediately and then that would be part of the... Like, in a in a re-zero kind of way, where he, he dies and then is back to reality and then, like, the punishment is that he gets to... If he doesn't do the daily quest, he just gets to be killed every night, which is pretty brutal. Yeah, appropriate punishment. Appropriate punishment. You get to die. There you go. Uh, so you drink your orange juice in time? Okay, time to die. Right. So the reason it's called solo leveling is because he has now, because he became a player by being brave, he now has a level up screen. He does the daily quests, he gets some skill points, he even get loot, gets loot boxes. <laughs> like presents will yeah. just appear in his hand. Yeah. Including a key to a dungeon, which is where the last episode has left off. But yeah, he has access to this level screen. It's unclear whether other people have it as well. Probably some do. But until this episode, it was kind of implied that people get their awakening, they get their skill, and then that's like that's how good they are. There, there isn't. Yeah. You get like they can measure your mana or whatever. 
but there's no way to like improve your adventure stats or something. He has unlocked this thing where he does his daily quest, he gets some skill points, and then he gets to become stronger that way. And that's yeah, why I it's mean, called that. The there was a, that, there was that one bit where they were talking about like investigating him for having like a second awakening which seemed kind of right. weird to me because like i thought they tried to establish it as oh you're like given what you're given so like if you're terrible at the start then you're just like outlook but like there seems to be the system where you right. can have a second awakening and become like much better but apparently that's not what he's had because he didn't become immediately much stronger or maybe his 10 mana is like a hundred times more than he had to begin with. He just started at such a low point that they couldn't measure it. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Maybe what he had is a second awakening, or maybe it's something completely different. I guess we'll find out. It's part of the adventure. How many episodes is this? I think they said it was going to be split core, so... Okay, sick. Two seasons of 12. Because honestly, I'm a, little, I'm a little bit into it. So I'm. It is. Uh, hold on. We're in winter 2024. 12. This thing. Okay. Uh, live chart says it doesn't know how many episodes right. it's gonna have. Mal says twelve. <laughs> yeah, Annie List also says twelve for this. Something about somewhere on the internet though that it was gonna be twenty-four episodes in total. Oh, his name is his name is Jinwoo. I was remembering the name but right. His last name is Song. People on the internet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, split calls get, like, a mal-entry, like, weirdly late, yeah. like, the second one, so right. I might be right. But, yeah, part of what I was thinking about earlier, like, not a pet peeve, but, like, a, a wondering I have, is that, like, webtoons are these hugely popular com Korean comics. Why aren't they being adapted by... Why are they being made in Japan? <laughs> why are they becoming anime? Oh, funny thing about the anime industry... It's all Do you know <laughs> how much goddamn outsourcing there is in a modern anime production? I know. It's There's a lot of Korean depressing. names in the They're credits, right. but it's a Japanese studio and it's in Japanese. I mean, I'm sure there's also a Korean dub, but it seems like... There, I mean, sure, can... but like, it doesn't... It only means that a Japanese animation studio is like slapping their name on it. Like, infamously, Witra Mercury had like... 40,000 frames that they needed a Chinese company to finish, like, less than 24 hours before the episode aired. Uh-huh. Like, there, there are... Most anime productions aren't entirely made in Japan anymore, and, in fact, are usually, like... You know what I mean? Like, the director, the people who, like, make... Not the people who draw the cells, necessarily, yeah. but the people who direct it are all Japanese names. I understand that, um... Uh, admittedly, I just wanted to make the joke. Does and Korea also not there are have, a lot of? Uh... Do Korea not have their own like animation industry studios stuff to make? That's it? the like... thing. I I would need to like read more about it. I don't right. know as much about the Korean animation like, industry. There are there are Chinese anime, which I guess would have to be called something else. I don't know. It's a Japanese uh, called Donghua. Yeah, Donghua. Donghua. Right. Which I'm. Yeah. I haven't investigated, but I'm assuming those are made by Chinese studios. Yeah. Uh, is Link yeah. Click made by Link a Chinese studio? Link Click is a Donghua, yes. But you have some, like something like Webtoons. It would make sense for them to have like a Korean studio and make their own stuff. I'm assuming it's like some production company. With how stuff, huge so. it is. There's probably more money in the Japanese anime industry. Yeah. 
that I mean, would I'm, be my... I'm sure there's a reason for it. I was just wondering, because it's they're huge Korean series, but for some reason the main adaptation is in Japanese, and that's why it, sound, like, it sounds weird when everybody has these Korean names. It just... <laughs> it hurts my ears. <laughs> yeah, Song Jin Woo's song is... It doesn't mouthful. fit. Um, the Japanese voice actors use Korean names is that uh, it's actually a quirk of how Japanese works. So because originally uh, Japanese kanji were like entirely ripped off whole hog from Chinese Hanzi to the point where you can plug like Japanese characters into a Chinese translator and get the same results. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Japanese people developed a specific way of pronouncing Chinese characters, uh, but they never did that for Korean characters or in Korean names because they didn't have the same degree of cultural connection with Korea. So that's why whenever, um, whenever there's uh, some, a Chinese-inspired historical fantasy or just straight-up Chinese historical fantasy uh, show made by uh, Japan and voiced by Japanese people, they will uh, say specific like pronunciations of the Chinese names that aren't entirely, you know, that aren't Chinese, but they don't sound quite like normal Japanese either. Um, I believe there's a formal name for this. I just don't remember which one it is, because there's one that there's the uh, there are two different systems, onyomi and kunyomi. <clears throat> one system is for like pronunciations that are like easier for um. What well, one system is like local pronunciations, uh, for like kanji, and the other one is like adapted Chinese pronunciations for kanji. I'm gonna check which one is which. Alright. In the meantime, I'm gonna say, we, we've spent 30 minutes yeah. talking about this one show. Um, kind of kind of a personal goal with this episode of Impressions was to maybe keep it under the usual three goddamn hours. <laughs> but I have already <laughs> yeah. failed. This no, was one show. Yeah, I usually yeah. speak uh, so, towards the end. Yeah, I quickly checked. So, um... Onyomi are the readings derived from Chinese pronunciations, and Kunyomi are the indigenous Japanese readings. You will see both used um, in a lot of different things, and uh, this is part of the reason why a single kanji can have uh, multiple pronunciations that uh, lead to puns, and more puns, and way too many goddamn puns, so many fucking puns. Yeah. Alright. Anything else to say about solo leveling? Or the uh, just, Japanese Korean language dynamics? I just want to give a shout out to the ending for this show. It's so cool. Like visually, it's like it kind of reminds me of like a weird like serial experiments lane kind of ending, which is not what I would hmm. expect for this show, but it's cool, like the visual direction they went with that. I'm gonna have to watch it back. I did not pay attention. Yeah, I guess that's one thing <laughs> I should say. It looks like animation wise, it looks very pretty. It is very one pretty. Of, I wanna know it does the music, so it's gonna sound very good as well. So overall I mean, like, I, I'm in the boat. Like I'm I'm finding enjoyment in this show. Yeah, same. Uh I'm excited for the blonde chick to come back. That's part of why I thought it was like <laughs> immediate Danmachi vibes. They teased us so hard in the first episode. You have her. you have this like the most legendary hero, and it's the tall blonde lady, right? In, the same as Danmachi. You have this guy who fights with a dagger, he's kind of scrappy, he sucks, and then he uses video game care mechanics to level up. Chosen one style. And they go to dungeons to collect uh, crystals, just like in Danmachi. <laughs> 
It's just it's just the same. But now it's hopefully gonna pick up and become its own thing a little bit. I'm excited to see where it goes. It helps that it's only yep. twelve episodes, so it's not like a huge investment. Alright. Moving right along to the show that only I'm watching. Uh Chained This Soldier. is your show then. This is my show. Uh, they, they, this is my show. It's, they made it. Oh God! Me. One image. What the hell? That's from the first episode. Uh, Mato sehe no slave, or in English, more tastefully, chain soldier. It is just like an S and M show. <laughs> in a, it, this is just One Piece, um, but yeah, all on. sorry, but all the devil fruit eaters are women. So in this world, um, many. Not many demons are invading from a, like a parallel dimension. Women, <laughs> when they reach a certain age, can eat a peach and get a superpower. <laughs> I don't know if they all get it or if it's just some, and it depend like what power you get is completely random. Some are extremely busted, as we will see later, and. Some like our main main girl. Uh, what's her name? Kyo, Kyoko, Kyoka. I think it's Kyoka. Her power is that she can like, uh, quote unquote, enslave something and use it as her fighter. So s until episode one, she's just been using enemy. They're called Shuki, the demons. Like she will beat up a Shuki and then force it to fight for her, and she empowers whatever she um, uses as a weapon. So for the first time, uh, <laughs> Selection says they finally made One Piece good. Yeah, this is a female empowerment show. Um, she uses her power on a human, on Yuki, our main character, for the first time, and finds out that it's way more powerful when used on a person. And that's how Yuki, even though men, men have been reduced to like menial boring labor because women are superheroes <laughs> so like all all the boring shitty jobs are just men and yuki is working i think as like a street cleaner or something and he wants to be a hero he wants to help fight for humanity he gets transported into this parallel dimension in part of these one of these like demon raids on reality so he, he gets sucked in there along with a small child and then Kyoka shows up to save them and that's why she has to use her power on him to try and fight their way out. He is now employed in this anti-demon core thing as like day to day he's just a caretaker so he like that's kind of the joke is that he thought he was just gonna be upgraded to full-time hero but he gets to still just be <laughs> doing menial labor all day. Like, he cooks and cleans, which he's really good at. Uh, but when they go fight, he is now her main weapon. Now, this power comes with a quote-unquote downside, which is the entire selling point of the show, which is that when you're done serving as the slave, you get a reward. <laughs> and for the, for the demons she used to fight with, the reward was like some meat. The reward is determined by what the slave subconsciously wants. 
God. So for the demons, oh, it's like, what do they want? They want to eat. They're stupid demons. And so the like he gets the reward episode one, and that's in the picture. She they they make out. Uh, I think. What is it? Episode two. Like he helps her undress or something. And then in this episode three, most recently, he she like steps on his balls. <laughs> and the entire point of the show is that these rewards get increasingly more and more crazy. Um, spoiler alert is that she part of her power is that, and that's why like they live in a big house with a bunch of other cute girls, and of course we want to see rewards from them too, right? So part of her part of the power is that she can lend him out. And then his his he transforms transforms into this combat beast. the The shape he takes changes depending on who is riding on his back. So one of the girls, her power is to like like she can turn her arms into guns. She can like adapt to other people's powers and copy them. So he becomes like a vessel for whatever they can do, whatever their power is. And then you get more reward scenes. I'm glad you clarified that she's riding on her on his back and not outside. <laughs> right. So yeah, they're standing on. Maybe he, they don't have to do that either. Like they could just be off, but he's he's very practical to get around because he becomes very fast. Um. So yeah. May May I just quote from uh something really quickly? Yes. Um, I saw the uh, anime news network like winter 2024 premiere guide like preview guide mm -hmm. and uh the most succinct summation of this entire show i've seen comes from one of their reviewers uh nicholas dupree's uh, review and uh for context takahiro is the uh author of the original manga i'll give takahiro this much the man knows where his bread is buttered and it's on the bottom of an anime woman's patent leather boot right oh yeah that's right it's from the kamiga kill uh guy so, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, that show was like randomly etchy for like no reason. So I can kind of get so, why he made so this. So he made he made a series that's just it's the entire point is to make out with S Death lookalikes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And dummy mommies. <clears throat> I will say I respect the bravery and hustle to bear every single fetish you have ever had to the world. And not only make money, but make enough money that there is an animated adaptation of it. Right. You know what? I can't fault that! <laughs> I mean, no one... His swag is too different. <laughs> his swag is too different. Yeah, who among up. us can claim to have done the same? Uh, the fan favorite best girl uh, showed up this last episode. Like, short-haired, older lady... Everybody loves her. Tinka is her name. And she... Yeah. I don't know how far they're gonna get in in this adaptation. I, of course, read the manga. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's gonna... It's gonna get wild. But yeah, but don't let anybody try and gaslight you into thinking this shit has a plot. <laughs> the plot is bare bones, just serviceable, fight some demons, bullshit. It's all it's all an excuse <laughs> for these very powerful superhero women to make out with the main character. 
Yeah, this is like this isn't like Nectar of Durrani or Shinju no Nectar, where there is a plot alongside all the fetishes. This is just the fetishes. I mean, they they try. It's like there's like Yuki's sister. It's like one of the demons, and it's like okay, who who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing nothing about this mat matters. We just want to see like okay, when is he gonna make out with the with the blonde chick who can become giant? When is he gonna <laughs> make over the morph girl? What's gonna happen with all the other people who show up? It's like part of the reward thing. It's also implied, like in the manga, that it, it's also a little bit what the girls are into. It's not just what he wants. They're not being made to do anything against their will, kinda. It is very much if my body is moving on its own, but it is also stuff that they're into. It's all it's all consensual, <laughs> weirdly, magically reinforced fetish bullshit. <laughs> I think this show was also like pretty high up in the charts. I feel like it, it is. Was, like, it's like fifth. <laughs> oh yeah, fifth. There you go. Then <laughs> I don't know how. It's fucking the people crazy. know what they want. The people know what they want. But usually it's stuff like this is like at the inside. bottom. This doesn't even have the excuse of trying to have a good story. It's just it's filth. <laughs> Maybe it's I mean, I, I would say that if I were to, you know, be a little more serious, I think part of the appeal is just, like, the shamelessness of it. That, right. like, yeah, no, this is this is for people who like the fetish. If you like the fetish, good for you. Uh, if you don't, whatever. But, like, what is... Uh, there's not, like, a the fetish. They do so much different stuff. Yeah, okay, then I got nothing. It's not like he's getting his ball stepped on every episode. <laughs> That was just this time. I forget what it is next time. It gets like it. Well, just I mean, keeps... I, I've I've known some. Uh, I've met some people who's like, who are just like, look, the thing I'm into is being used as an extension of another woman's will. So I guess it's that it's for that crowd. Now that that it is very much, yeah. He's he's along for the ride because he wants he secretly wants to be a hero and teaming up with Kyoga is like his way of doing that. So yeah. To be fair, ahead. it might be a it might be like YouTuber influence because I think Giga made like a video on this among us, so that might be I mean, why there's so many like surprise people. Surprise me, probably. I forget where I found it. I think it was just like in the popular section on a manga website. I was like, that looks cool. <laughs> I remember first hearing about it because uh, a lot of people got uncomfortable slash mad over the fact that Slave was in the title. Yep. Um, which, I mean. I mean, I'm not gonna say that, you know, it's invalid to have a bit of a knee-jerk, oh god, reaction in reaction right. to the t the word slay being in a title, but at the same time, like, it's, it, it, it's, it's not meant comic, as guys. an actual slave, it's, uh, it's like a it is, it is not, it is not even trying to address that entire can of worms, it is a transgressive no, but, sexual fantasy. But it's, it's not that he's, like, literally enslaved, it's like a, it's like a, He's not Domin living on. He's not living on the fucking slave ships like the Amistad. Right. It, it's it's a dominatrix thing, being like he's being dominated. That's what it is. Yeah. It's a powerless fantasy. Right. <laughs> a powerless fantasy. In a, in a sense, yeah. <laughs> Evil photo leveling be like. <laughs> uh... Right. Moving on. Or anything? Any questions? I'm the only one watching this. Is it a good show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> how is the, how is the animation? I guess. 
I mean, for an itchy show, it's honestly not bad. Like when you when it's pretty good, as a matter of fact. Like when you think about other high dive shows that have been around, like I'm thinking Kandagawa Jet Girls. Oh god, yeah. Ooh. That looked like fucking <laughs> shit. Terrible. Usually, when a show has bare nipples in it, it's usually animated like garbage. Okay, let's not lay the blame at High Dive's feet for however bad the oh, animation is. Oh, no, 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 it's like... just, like, it's a show they had, because that was another uncensored full uh, frontal nipple action show, and it looked yeah. like garbage. And was... shows like that tend to do that. This one looks pretty good. Most of the well, time. Well, uh, glad that that crowd of people has something else to beat their meat to. Good for you guys. Speaking of beating your meat, moving oh, right along. Insane transition. <laughs> I didn't realize that. To insane segue. <laughs> to the cooking show of the year. It's Dungeon Meshi. It's my favorite manga of all time. It finally got an, uh, an adaptation, and it's by Studio Tricker. Also known in English as Delicious and Dungeon. I say this because I'm going to refer to it as that every time. I'm very sorry. That's how I'm wired. I think they could have gone wilder with the translation. Like, the, the Japanese title is just like Dungeon Food. Like, just call it that. If it's, what I, <laughs> if it's what I think it is, I think it's literally just like Dungeon Good Food. Yeah. Uh, Cave Grub. <laughs> <laughs> Cave Grub? That's what they should have called it. Hire me, Netflix. This is on Netflix, by the way. Finally, they have an an they have an anime, and they're they're airing it episode by episode every week. It's not in jail, like Beastars was. Isn't Metallic or Rouge also Netflix? I don't know. Is it? That's on control. Oh, is it on control? Yeah, okay, I, okay. I couldn't recall seeing the the N at the beginning. But yeah, this show is fucking awesome. <laughs> We're all yeah. watching it, right? Uh, yes. I'm watching it. Honestly. Yeah. Well, uh, since it's your uh, favorite, it's your favorite show of this season, definitely. Uh, uh, should you do the honors, we'll let you do the honors of uh, explaining the premise again, unless you want one of us to do it. I know you've been talking for a while. I can. Do, but the next show, I have nothing to say about, so I'll do it. Okay. Um, this is my cross to bear. This is another show. It was made for me. Uh, yeah. You have another hole made for you. Another hole made for me. Another elf-shaped hole. <laughs> another elf-shaped hole made so, for you. What initially got me interested in the manga for this was the very like down-to-earth approach to like a cave cave delving story. These just it's straight up just felt like D and D, right? They're going. They're finding traps. They're fighting monsters in the smartest way possible. None of them are like flying all around, cutting the air or shit like that. It's they're just they're just adventurers. So the first thing that happens immediately is that we're presented with a team of adventurers. Um, our three three of our main cast, Laius, Marcel, and Chilchuck, are are there alongside Laius's sister. What's her name? Fallen? A dwarven fighter and a guy in a samurai outfit. I forget his I forget their names. They're not in it very much. Until later. Anyway. Wait, at the very beginning, because of how like pear-shaped it went. Yes. They're fighting a big fucking dragon. 
And at some point in the fight, uh, Leia's sister gets gets eaten. They're all like I uh, looked it up quickly. Uh, Lyos's sister's name is Fallen. It's Fallen, yeah. F A L I N, yeah. Yes. I know. I love this series. <laughs> um, yeah, she gets eaten, and as the last thing she does is teleport her friends. Like she's like the cleric of the party. She emergency teleports everybody to the surface while she gets uh, swallowed whole by a big red dragon. And the entire, like, impetus of the show is to get down there and kill the dragon before she's digested. Because as long as you're alive, as long as you're, like, intact in the dungeon, you can be resurrected. You can, If you're digested, though, tough luck. <laughs> so they, they work out that they have about a month to do it. Now, meanwhile, samurai guy and dwarf lady quits the party because they got wiped. They left all the shit down there. Fallen is dead. Everything went pear-shaped, as you said. And now Leis and Marcel and Chilchuk are on their way down. But they have no money. They... Well, hmm? well, no, Fallon's not dead. She's in the dragon's stomach. That's the and entire she, point. She um, got eat. She's not going to stay alive in there for a month. She's dead. She's just not digested yet. I, I thought the entire point was, huh? No, no, yeah, no. She got. She got. Was that she was supposed to be alive in the stomach? She got fucking uh, chomped by a dragon, but she yeah, is being digested, and it takes like, a month. Yeah, the nuance is just that, like, she is technically dead, but they still like have hope because she can. They like, can resurrect her as long yeah. as she's resurrected. Okay, yeah. Um. Yeah, they make a point of showing during the fight with the dragon that people are fighting shittily because everybody's really hungry because they have been out of rations for like a day or two. At this point, they were still doing conventional dungeon. Like, oh yeah, they make a point that they got lost at some point. They spent two more days getting here than they planned. So that's why they have no rations. And that they're fighting on an empty stomach, so nobody's at their best, and they get wiped by the dragon. So, well, what do you do? They have they lost all their gear, and now they have to go back down. They have no money, they have no provisions. What is an adventurer to do? Eat monsters. <laughs> the the dungeon is full of living ingredients. You just gotta kill them and prepare them, and you're you're set. Now, none of the people in the party are good cooks, but not to worry. They find a dwarf called Senshi, who is an amazing character. <laughs> yeah, I love him. He's like he, he might be my favorite. He is my favorite as well. He is so great, and he has probably my favorite little arc in the manga as well i hope we get to it in this adaptation because it's like genuinely touching and really sweet um i think the like... anime is 24 episodes right so it should cover like I pretty much so. most of it man please I'm gonna tell check me uh check. delicious 24. dungeon is 24 yes 24 okay we will absolutely get there and that's kind of why this series is my favorite is that it make it has this it has a very good amount of levity which is all like one of you in the chat pointed out that you were bothered by nobody f like it doesn't feel like they're in a hurry <laughs> it's like oh your sister got eaten let's goof around and <laughs> i would say that's the biggest flaw of the entire story like 
The antics are funny, but we kind of vaguely remember in the back of our mind, right, they need to move their asses before you, Fallon's you corpse it. gets digested. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I remember thinking that as well at the when I started reading it. Like, you guys, are, what are you doing? <laughs> you gotta yeah, go rescue like, your family. There is a... You need to go grab the corpse before it dissolves into there's, puddles. There's a very on, little move. sense of urgency. Um, yeah, I mean, the start is like pretty dark for this kind of show, considering how goofy the rest feels. So it's like, oh, she is rotting. <laughs> you guys need to hurry up. That is, but yeah. So besides that, part of the reason I love it so much is that it has this very good mix of funny antics, like Marcel trying to uh, pluck a mandrake following her book she's never done it before but she's got this book on it and so she doesn't she doesn't trust the dwarf who's been doing it for 10 years because like he's doing it the wrong way so that's so she's fucking around messes up uh that's all funny slapstick and then it has like these sweet moments where like to talk her to her senses they kind of have this little heart to heart like, it mixes the really, like, sweet personal moments with levity in a very, very not forced, very natural way that I truly appreciate. This entire cast is probably one of my favorites in in manga. Like, the manga finished very recently, so I'm hoping that when this is done, everybody goes and reads it, because it's, it's, well, it's gorgeous, too. The art is so fucking good. I know me and Sinris have talked about doing, like, a weekly show covering this. I don't think we're going to do that. Uh, <laughs> but once it finishes, we're definitely going to do, like, a, a huge unpacking of it. We have not agreed to this. Sinris has not agreed to anything. But I feel... <laughs> but I'm going to make a promise on, on their behalf. Uh, that that maybe at the halfway point at, and at the end, but definitely at the very end, we're going to do, like, a deep dive of this. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said about it balancing, like, the comedy and, like, the more, like, serious parts well. Like, because even though, like, you know, Marcel, she knows that the dude has, like, done the thing for 10 years with the Mandrake picking, like, she's kind of just insecure at that point. Because, like, for the whole show so far, even though it's been, like, one or two episodes at most, mm -hmm. she's kind of been, like, the laughing stock of the party. Yeah. So she just tried to do it that way, even though it made no sense, because she just wanted to seem like she knew She wanted she to prove doing. herself. She didn't want to, she feels like a burden. And she doesn't want to be seen as a burden. And while she's like in her comatose state because she got screamed at by a mandrake, um, Chilchuck and Leia's have this sweet moment of being like, no, no, no. The reason we don't ask you to do any of this stuff isn't because you suck at it. It's because you have, we can find traps and we can fight in close combat. We're better at that than you, but you are better at magic. And, like book smarts we all have skills and should we shouldn't all try to do everything all the time trust your companions to have your back yeah i mean Leos even mentions that her magic will be like much more useful when they right. go like deeper and they don't, find like don't much waste stronger. your spells trying to blast a bat when like Leos can just punch it with a punch it with his sword like there's no reason to use in terms of dnd like spell slots on all these low-level little enemies, like they—they're gonna need her magic when they get to the dragon. We're, or... we're gonna need the so we get to the thing that we need. Yeah. Right. Um, I would say that um, 
I would say part of what adds the charm is like how uh, Lyles gradually reveals just like how much of a fucking weirdo he is. Like when he sees a monster, he's just like, "Yes, I want to eat it. I want to eat it. Can I eat it?" With all the enthusiasm That's... of like a child looking at a space shuttle, right? And it's I, it's another favorite... part of it is that see, yeah. we find out very quickly that secretly Leia's has been harboring this desire to eat monsters all his life. <laughs> he has yeah, a whole like, book about some kid. Some kids want to be astronauts, some kids want to be professional wrestlers, some kids want to fucking eat that giant mushroom. He is yeah, I mean, he is obsessed with monsters. It's not even like like the ones you see that like the chicken one, there was like one monster that was like a chicken and a snake combined. Yeah, I get why he Chimera. might want to eat that. Chimera. But then it's like revealed that he even wants to eat this like armor, like magical armor we He's see. He's curious and... if it can be eaten. Well, I, I think, think that's uh, my favorite thing about the show too is just how they prepare the food, right. like the when they were using the traps in the room to yeah, like yeah, heat yeah. up and boil everything. And then I was laughing so hard when he was he discovered that in the mall uh, in the living armor there were mollusks, so he started like picking the armor like it was a crab. Right, because it's like dying. he is. It's not even that he's always been obsessed with eating monsters. It's that he's always been obsessed with just monsters. And now he has this this venue of exp like discovery has opened before him, where he wants to eat every monster to find out what is it like, how does it tick, how do you prepare, and how does it taste. And so they find magical like moving armor. Any adventurer seeing that would just assume oh it's being moved by magic, someone's controlling it. But he's like oh shit that's an egg sac on the inside of the of the shield. They actually look through their helmets, so they have some manner of, like, eyes and senses. They're not just magically animated. They actually, they have some way of functioning. So he works out that something is keeping the armor plates, like, stuck together. And it's, like, a thin layer of mollusks in between two sheets of metal. Like, the armor has an extra layer. And then <laughs> this really fragile weak organism lives there and keeps the whole thing uh, held together and so they eat it like like a clam or something well it's more like a i, I forget I'm, I'm sorry i forget if it was minus a c5 who said this but like again like he picks it like a fucking crab uh yeah. and like the right. creature that he pulls out is i would say closer in like nature to like a squid than um uh, and then, like, anything else. It, it's, like, this tiny, really flat little mollusk that lives between the armor folds. And, like, you have to fucking get your sharp implement in there, scratch at it, kill it, and then scoop the guts, like, scoop the little thing out, and then just right. go, like, alright, time to eat these. <laughs> it's like it's like this little hive mind of, of mollusks, all, like, hands shaking together yeah. in the joints of the armor. And all the they... normal suits of armor are protecting the the lion-themed one, the Ornstein, who is in behind yeah. the door. They <laughs> fucking ate Ornstein. Ornstein. <laughs> we ate or we we fucking we fucking killed Ornstein, and then we ate the we ate the slugs in his armor. Right. They were delicious. And it's like it's like where his curiosity goes further than even Senshi. Like Senshi is said to have been living in the and eating in the dungeon for years. 
but he's never had living armor because like any any sensible person he just assumed that it was it was just it was metal you can't eat metal like a sane man he assumed that it was just metal Right. But an insane man like Lyos goes like, no, no, I no, will find a way. Not insane. He's an innovator. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's in like, search of the truth. True. No, yeah, he's a, he's an innovator. He he's a he's a genius ahead of his time. Right. I mean, like Marcel even like mentions how she was gonna say um, to Lyos that oh, it's probably just magic controlled, right? So why would you even try that? Yeah. So I see why like no one else bothers. Marcelo... And I also wanted to say, oh, oh, yeah. no, go ahead. No, you. All right, okay. <laughs> Basically, I wanted to say that um, they do a really good job of making the food look really tasty because yes. I can understand why someone would be like concerned about eating monsters like Marcel is. But they make it with the animation and just the like presentation overall with the cooking segments are like probably like one of the best bits of the show so, overall. It's so funny in the manga. Like they present the dishes like a full page spread of really beautiful drawing of the food and then how much of each each fictional creature is used for every part like it's a fucking recipe like you could never make this but here it is <laughs> it is a recipe damn it you you need to list proper amounts in correct measurements but how does the author know whether I... it's 400 or 500 grams of basilisk <laughs> venom he's <laughs> the god here or there I, I don't know they're they're the god here they can do whatever the fuck they right. want um it's like it's like yeah, a, um, another funny part with the basilisk was uh, leia's revealing that actually the snake is the front of it the chicken is the tail <laughs> oh yeah that was a bad, bad prop twist because marcel pointed or... out that the eggs looked like snake eggs they're like long and soft they don't look like chicken eggs and it's like well guess what <laughs> it's a decoy the actual head is the snake that's nice. I will say, uh, one reason why I also love this show's energy is that, um, you kind of have to imagine that, like, we developed the idea of how to eat certain things by just looking at it and going, like, I wonder how it tastes. Right. Because, I mean, I, I can see how, you know, things like, like, large fuckers, like a, like a cow, or, I don't know... Or like a chicken or a pig, you can look at that and go, hmm, there's some meat on that. But then you get into the, like, weirder stuff, like octopus and squid and some of the weirder varieties like, of fish, where most people would, before we, you know, figured out that they were tasty, we probably just went like, wait, what the fuck? What are these things? But then, like, an at least one person. Look, an octopus does not yeah. look tasty, but someone tried it. Yeah. <laughs> but some brave innovator looked so, at a that real life said, was like how do we a cook real it? life Lyos what yeah. looked at something like an octopus and said no I it's, want that in my mouth there has I want to be, that in my stomach there's got to be a way to eat it which is like his moment with yeah. the armor that's like like this, that's the end panel of that chapter is him <laughs> realizing no there is a much there is an organic thing to it. That means we can eat it. <laughs> if, it like, breeds, if it I bleeds, can we it. can eat it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, he is. He is um, just fantastic because he has this singular yeah. obsession with monsters, but he's also like a loyal party member and a good brother and stuff like that. He has facets. 
He has a hyperfixation. Uh, he's just never indulged it before. But he has he never has. been allowed to really go into it. He has never been allowed to look at all the forbidden like animals and go, I can I want to eat them. Um, before we move on, I want to shout out the uh, English voice acting since I know that I'm probably the only one here who's actually watching in English. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the voice actor for Lyos, Damien Haas, does a great job of you know balancing when Lyos is speaking and like talking like a normal human being when he's talking about you know like party stuff and then going uh, fucking but nuts. also just the <laughs> yeah the deranged joy he feels whenever he yeah. like gets to eat a monster comes through like very loud and clear whenever he has to go on one of his rants Whoa. and like the entire cast reactions are great also um, shout out to the german voice actress for marcel there's been clips uh, on twitter yes, yes, she yes, just yes. nails it it is nice big yeah like um, marcel has massive girl failure vibes and the german voice actress immense girl failure vibes uh, I, i'll go fetch the name of her german voice actress quickly She's but great. on the subject of marcel i would also like to commend uh, the english voice actor for marcel uh, emily rudd this is her very first uh anime anime voiceover role <laughs> anymore uh, ever <laughs> she just came off of playing nami in a live action One Piece. Oh, nice. Uh, I've heard that she was good in that. I don't, I haven't seen it, so I can't say for sure. But I can say that I'm enjoying her as Marcel quite a lot. Um, despite the fact that this is her first time, she's capturing the, uh, the pure exhaustion mm -hmm. and, and like, fucking dread that comes with every single, like, monster meal very well. Oh, yeah. Like, anytime um, she sees Leia's light up, it's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> What's gonna happen? <laughs> okay, no, that okay. No, quick detour before we get back to English voices. Uh, okay, well, first thing, uh, I found the name of the uh, German voice actress. Her name is uh, Magdalena Hoffner. It, it's like an O with an umlaut over it uh, for her last name. But uh, Miss Hoffner, very, very good job. Uh, keep up the good work. But uh, my favorite moment, and I think a lot of people's favorite moment in the first episode, and like you can tell the guy who uh, got to do this and got to keep it in must have like been grinning like the Cheshire Cat, is when like Lyos goes on his rant about like, oh, this fungus looks so tasty, and, and like after he finishes his rant, there's just like a f two to three second long zoom in on Marcel's like face, and it's like a low res zoom. No, it's no, like something no. that came out, of, came out of like a YouTube poop or something. She gets and... grabbed by a man-eating plant, and he's like, "How was it <laughs> being grabbed by the plant?" <laughs> yeah, and while he's and then her reaction, while her reaction he's going on this like... unhinged tangent, we see her just. Yeah, her stare and then it zooms in just on the same exact frame but like twice the zoom no, they didn't <laughs> scale it they didn't clean it up at they didn't all. clean it up at it all the they just zoomed in. it just makes it so much funnier because that zooming. is the same reaction you would have right it's the it's the anime visual it's the fucking visual equivalent of like the bra sound clip yeah she's i mean marcel is fucking great everybody in this party is great yeah they all have uh, and oh hmm? yeah they're, they're all great uh one more thing is i wanted to mention uh sungwon cho known to many as pro zd as senshi oh, is yeah. also doing a great job uh he's in this i know a lot of people uh actually no i can't say i know a lot of people forget because i don't know that many more people but um he's been getting more into anime voiceover for the last couple of years uh he's clearly having a lot of fun as uh as senshi as well 
yeah. Um, the entire cast is great. I just really wanted to shout out those three in particular because I think those three in the English cast are doing the best job. Yeah. Uh, so not to say that the Japanese cast are doing a bad job. I'm just I'm just that guy who prefers English voices if all else are equal. I like both equally, so I go with the English in this case. Yeah, I'm just I'm just excited for all the future gags and when when the cat girl joins and stuff like that. Yasutsumi, she's great. They're all you, so good. You know, I'm surprised I haven't seen someone make like a anime food looks so good with this anime. Uh, it would be too yet. easy. It would be too easy. Yeah, they just need to they just need to do one where it's like just yeah. a picture of the helmet they cooked and like nothing else. That's kind of there is there is a a point. In the manga, like in the in the beginning, it's very much like a dish of the week. Like this this chapter, we're cooking mandrakes. This chapter, we're cooking giant bats. There is a, at a certain point, it kind of snaps out of that formula and becomes very much just like an epic adventure tale, and it becomes like peak. It's so fucking good, and I hope we get to it. For the longest time, me and Sanders were talking about we wanted the first half of it to be animated by, oh, what's their name? The ones who did like the daily menu for the, the the fate cooking it, spinoff for the anime family. I the believe family. that was uh, Troika. I would need to check. I oh wait, who... no. Today's menu for the anime family was animated by UFO Table. Oh. As in Which, the same people who did the mainline like Fate Stay Night adaptations. Uh, then maybe we were thinking, maybe we were thinking it was going to be UFO Table because they can do both that and the normal Fate because it 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 does have a switch from the it Doga Kobo for the first half we were talking about and then UFO Table for the last when it, it becomes more like action adventure. But then surprise, we get Trigger, and for the first two episodes, only like in very brief moments where I reminded that it's Trigger. Because you honestly, it's it's such a non-trigger show, like it's not flashy at all. Yeah, I, I agree with like that's what I wanted. That's what I was gonna say is that I constantly like have for myself like when I see the opening, right? Like that says trigger. I'm like, all right, this is trigger because it's so right. like not it's so what chill. I'm used to trigger doing. It's like the last and thing they did was doing cyberpunk, with which was fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and I'm like, and they're doing it really well, too. And then episode three came out, and it was the most trigger shit I've seen <laughs> in a while. Like, that was it's everything off model all the time. It was fucking crazy. And, I mean, I think that's fine every right. once in a while, but I think I preferred the first two, the, the look of the first two. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me weirdly of, like, Heavenly Delusion. I don't know if anyone watched it here, but in, like, episode 10, it just had, like, a very different shift in visual style. And that's yeah. kind of what's happened with, like, episode 3 of this show, where episode 1 and 2 feel, like, pretty grounded animation-wise, and then episode 3 was just, like, off the walls, very trigger, very cartoony. Right. It became extremely so good people very out there. bouncy. Yeah, uh, for the Sakuga people out there, I believe that that uh, Heavenly Do episode 10 was animated by Kai Ikarashi, who is famous for working on Trigger's more, like, um, off-model and weird and bendy episodes. Um, episode 3 of Delicious and Dungeon was uh, either animated or storyboarded by someone who works very closely with Kai Ikarashi, so a lot of people think that it was um, Kai Ikarashi who did it, but no. Uh, their name is uh, Ichigo Kano. 
right. So Ichigo Kano is the person who was responsible for um, Delicious Invention Episode 3. Kai Ikadashi was responsible for Heavenly It reminded Delicious me very 10. much of this switch in style from like pre and post Gear 5 in One Piece, if, ever, if anybody was watching that. Where that, no, that, yeah, that's also a very good. That's also that, a very good comparison. That first Gear Five episode was just it was just Looney Tunes. It was fucking insanity. It was then, great. It was great. It was like this is what this is what it's all about. <laughs> woo, baby. Is, <laughs> woo, baby. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, guys... if if this could go back to the style of episode one and two just permanently, that'll be good. But. It was still good, episode three. It was just a lot more tricky. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it should stay that way all the time. I don't think Lyos's deranged rant would have had half the energy and half the laughs mm. if it had been animated like in episodes one and two. I mean, if it lends it's itself like, to his unhinged moments, but for like the day-to-day -day moments of them just walking around and Chilchug is his ears yeah. like twice as big as usual, just because that's what they felt like. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely a specialized style. Uh, it, it's not a it's not an all-purpose like tool to be used. But let that let that animator work well, on Laius when he goes full Laius. <laughs> yeah, it works when Laius goes full like go, goes full. I want to eat everything deranged foodie mode. Right. Yes. I guess I'll add on real quick before we move on. Um. This show is probably one of my favorite openings this season. I'm just like looking at the list of stuff we have to talk about, and it's mm -hmm. up there. I love the like the visuals where they have like the main, uh, the prominent characters, fucking massive compared to the like the floors of the dungeon. I oh, think yeah. that's really cool. And the ED, and the song, and this, yeah. The, the so ED song, is just like panels drawn by the mangaka. Ryu something Kyoko Ryu. It's just colorized panels drawn by the by the actual author and her style is just insane. It's so fucking good. It's soft but very detailed at the same time. It's great. No one does it like her. Her swag is too different. Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> yeah, that. The uh, original creator of the manga is Ryoko Kui. Yeah, that's it. And then. Yeah. Um... My mother-in-law also is like a big weeaboo, and nice. she every once in a while she'll just like mention to me that she's watching something, and she is watching. She just has her seal of approval. Nice. My mother-in-law. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it is one of the more, I would say, uh, not family friendly, but like you could show this to quote unquote oh, yeah. normies. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing crazy going yeah, on but here. Like, why is this not family friendly though? No, but that's not that's not the word I would use. It is family friendly, but what I meant is like you could show that this would be a good entry, like gateway, for someone to get into. Okay, yeah. Like, it doesn't scare the normies yeah. off, right? The closest thing we've had I, I to would... fan service was a was a senshi panty shot. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> <laughs> <like that>. <laughs> the only bit of fan service we got so far. <laughs> even oh, even Marcel I... being strung up by a tentacle plant wasn't like. They could have like a, a a worse show would have exploited that. Yeah, no, like she's not sexed up. She's like ensnared in a creature's like feeding tentacles. She's gonna get eaten. Which you it's know, not, ended up itself pretty hot to the right people, but <laughs> getting eaten. Well, well, okay. Some people like that. <laughs> we're we're not. Leia's was we're curious not about it. <laughs> we're not and doing void, and that's why she's not made doing void. 
What was it uh, like being almost consumed by a plant? Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the very least, this is not any chain soldier. Like, nothing like that going on here, so... No, it's not, it's not explicit or, like, fetishy. It's, it's not exclusively for the freaks. Right. This is for everybody. And speaking of freaks, next show. <laughs> no. Hey, uh, <laughs> shows that aren't for freaks. This is... Yeah. Uh, I know little about this. I think the main, the main girl is deaf, right? That's... Yeah. Yes. Right. All right. Yes. I have not watched this. This is all you. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so, um... I am admittedly probably the one least familiar with, like, the demographic this hails from. Like, I, I don't go to Jojo places very oh, I got, often. I got you. I got you. Okay. Uh, C5, you want to let Minus do it, or...? Yeah, you can go ahead. Oh, oh, I hope I do The floor I is yours. I do this show justice. Um, so, Signs of Affection is a show about... Our protagonist Yuki, who is, as we've said, she's as we've said, she is deaf, and she goes to college with her best friend, who I don't remember the name of, but she's her name is Reen. Reen, she's also great, and she's Yuki's best friend, and they are in school, and they come across a gray-haired boy named Itsuomi, who Yuki immediately takes a liking to. And they travel to, like, a bar that he works at. And he's going on about how he is fluent in, I think, like, five different languages. Like, the, he was he was kind of flexing pretty hard there. And he travels overseas a lot as well, which leads to him, I think, in the first episode, he goes to Laos, of all places. So two, uh, we do know from the first episode that he's well traveled. Yeah, he knows a lot of languages. He goes to Laos. Uh, that is a thing, and he brings her back a souvenir, and it's cute, and they exchange it. And he's like very clearly wants to try to get to learn sign language. And second episode, we meet Yuki's childhood friend who I also don't know the name of and he knows sign language pretty much just to be an asshole to her they very much have like a um that there's that friction between them where he sees her with Itsuomi and kind of is giving her shit like oh I bet he's just doing it out of pity blah 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 very quick jealous childhood friend things I give him to like episode 9 before he's in shambles and <laughs> yeah i mean he feels like he kind of feels like that overprotective older brother at some time yeah can't lie. yeah he, well, he can be a bit he's, he's the worst version of it he he's the he's a guy who never uh grew out of his uh how do i speak to women without automatically denigrating them face yeah but you know i can fix him you grew up and... that <laughs> like i said i can <laughs> he's that like i can fix him energy anyway um so Yuki and Itsumi at the bar again exchange contact info and she's like very like it's very classic shoujo where the main character like every time her phone buzzes it she just instant instant full blush 
and you know their relationship is the at the like i want to get to know you better and i want to get to be friends phase and at the start of the third episode we see that she's writing him kind of a beginner's guide to japanese sign language and she gives it to him at the bar again and two of his friends one being a hairstylist that we see briefly in the first episode and another girl named Emma, who are extremely drunk, walk in and are like making a ruckus. And you see that Emma is clearly very buddy-buddy with our main guy. And Yuki doesn't really take well to that. She starts to get a little jealous. She's asking a lot of people, like, are they, are they together? Are they dating? Because they seem pretty close. So we have that trope starting to fester. And the episode ends with him going back to his apartment. Like, they meet up, him and Yuki meet up at the laundromat, have more, like, cute texting conversations. He's learning, like, the signs for love and, like, promise and things like that. And it ends with Emma crashing at his apartment. Very clearly, like, wanting to have sex with him. But the main guy is clearly not having it. He just is like, go, he's, I, he leaves his apartment and it's like, you can just stay there and like have a party of one. And so she's all distressed and comes, it ends with her coming across the, the sign language guide and being like, oh, what's this? But, um. Okay. So make sure I understand this clearly since I haven't, I hadn't actually watched episode three yet. Um, is she like wasted when she yeah, or... goes to Itsuomi's like apartment? No, she's sober. Oh yeah, not at the apartment oh. bit, but initially when uh, Yuki meets her, she is. So that's why she's right, like right. wondering whether it's yeah. because she's into him or was it because she's just drunk. So that's why. Okay. And yeah. Overall, this show, I one of my favorite things about this show is the sound design of it because hmm. Yuki is deaf and she has hearing aids. But we learned that in the third episode that it kind of you don't hear sounds perfectly it's just kind of like a warped mumble mess of sounds that you can't really tell like who is coming from where so like a lot of the scenes with just her are like either really quiet or i was noticing at the bar or maybe i'm just reading too much into this but the sound was a little bit like off pitch and warped which i think is pretty cool um one there's a few issues that i have with the show though one being yeah, i just that... wanted to comment really quickly that um as somebody who watched this with like earbuds and headphones you're not you're, you're not imagining things okay. all the scenes with yuki are like really really muffled uh it, it sounds kind of like all the sound is funny considering her name it sounds like all the sounds are like being filtered through a thick layer of snow yeah hmm. a few it does not without its flaws though um one of the big ones is that the main guy is a little bit handsy at times and i only have like i don't have a ton of background with like sign language and all that I did take a semester of it in college so take that as you will but like one of the first things i remember them telling us is that like of ways to get a deaf person's attention without like touching them because that's the equivalent of like a jump scare so he does like tap her on the shoulder from time to time and they did make a comment in the third episode being like that's not the best way to go about that and he often will like when she's like being shy and blushing he will like um 
like grab her chin so that she can look up to him so that he can like make the so that she can lip read basically and so i can see that being kind of something that puts people off yeah i mean like it's not something that happens a lot but there is definitely scenes like i'm pretty sure like early on when basically i don't i don't know if we mentioned this but they kind of meet on like a train right and she thinks he's a foreigner or like there's a foreigner there right that tries to talk to her but obviously she struggles with that because like she thinks she's not going to be able to talk japanese and even if he can talk japanese she's deaf so it's a bit of a struggle and then like Itsuomi who's like the main you know like rom- romantic interest for her he kind of comes across and like helps out and tells the foreigner what's going on and then like soon after like in their conversation I'm not sure if it's there or later in the episode he kind of just like hand grabs her forehead like he palms it like a basketball that was a bit weird yeah. but and and it, it kind of just like continues on throughout the show where he'll just like randomly touch the her technical face technical term is head pat <laughs> Yeah, but that wasn't even a head pat, because, like, on a head pat, you usually do at the top of someone's head, right? But he kind of, like, just grabs her forehead. It's a bit yes, weird. It is. Kind of. It is bizarre. It can be a little bizarre, yeah. But overall, I think it's a very adorable show. Like, I I love... I eat up, like, shoujo romances. I don't know but why I like them so much, but it just, like, makes me smile and happy. And... I'm able to like look past kind of this the sound sweet the weird touching aspect of it. Also they do a really good job with the lip movements because a lot of the people in the show don't use AS or ASL use sign language aside from her childhood friend and Itsuomi from time to time and that's pretty much like what she teaches him. Um they do a very good job of, like, showing her perspective of, like, having to read people's lips, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I love how they do that because, basically, the lip-reading thing is kind of emphasized by, like, the visuals. So, for example, when her friends are talking to her, they'll usually, like, slow their mouth movements, so it makes it easier for her to lip-read that. And also, even when there is sign language, just to, like, inform the viewers, you kind of get, like, an inner monologue of how she interprets the sign language so i'll give an example um the childhood friend who's kind of like more abrasive and kind of aggressive and sort of like insecure like she can kind of tell through how he does his like sign language how he comes across and then compared to like itsuomi who when he does his sign language it comes off a lot more comforting and like a lot calmer for her so i kind of appreciate that they give that insight of like how a deaf person like would interpret sign language and how much like they can actually interpret from the sign language. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, I don't go here very often. I don't watch many shoujo romances. Uh, I decided to check this one out because I have a, a Twitter friend who really likes this one. Uh, and I'm also having a good time. Uh, I think Yuki's little musings on how like love arrives was a pretty fun detail of the first episode where she's like, uh, I'm not really quite sure what this feeling is, but I've decided I want to see more of it. I, w- I want to see how I want to see where this goes. Um, which I don't know if that's like a unique approach in shoujo romance or not, but I like I, I like that approach. So yeah, uh, a sign of affection is really fun. I unfortunately cannot say anything about the English dub yet because the first dubbed episode came comes out like later today. Um, 
But uh, I I know like uh, at the very least one of the uh, voice actors, uh, Reagan Murdoch. He's gonna be the English voice of Itsuomi, and he did a great job. He was also Aki from Chainsaw Man, so I I have faith in him. Overall, like, yeah, the show looks great, sounds great. Um, this is my personal favorite show this far into the season, so after two or three yes. weeks, this is my clear, my clear favorite one. Yeah, I mean, with the looks of the show, I just want to emphasize the background art especially is just incredible. Like, for a seasonal yeah. show, it feels like movie tier, and I'm, I was, like, really surprised at that because... Although I don't watch a lot of shoujo, like my most experience with it is like Nana and like um, Natsumi Book of Friends. I don't really watch a bunch of it, but this show especially, like just because it has like a lot of winter scenery, like the winter scenery, like backgrounds are just great. So if you like to like collect wallpapers, this is actually a good show for that. Hmm. I didn't realize uh, it was... On the subject of winter... <laughs> yeah, go on, sorry. I didn't realize it was an adult cast. So yeah, it's yeah, college, college aged. So yeah. that's that's like yeah, college I'm, age. So. Yeah, and they like go to the bar. And, like, <laughs> he works at the bar, which I don't know how he makes money to travel. Maybe his parents are loaded, but and I know bartender. Maybe bartenders like make a lot of money, but I don't know if that's enough to like fund traveling all the time. Either way, I will it's check. Cute. I will check this out. It looks cute. It's cute as shit, and it it helps yeah. that they're college age. Because I'm getting a little tired of high school. <laughs> and it has that like twenty. 2020s Japanese like street wear fashion yes. going on too, so they all look like big fluffy snowmen. Hell yeah! With their big coats and and scarves and stuff. So it's that's the yeah, best. that's that's always an excellent aesthetic. Counting up the times. That's a good aesthetic. Never never leave that. <laughs> no, never leave the fluffy snowman designs, please. Yeah. Uh, although on the subject of the designs, though, one little like funny quirk that I noticed is that like. Everyone's lower lips seem really full and pronounced. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if I'm just strange, but like everyone's lower lips just seem really full and pronounced to me. Where it's like uh, could just be a quirk uh, of the art style. Yeah, I think I think they like make the mouths really pronounced for when they're doing like the yeah yeah for stuff. for the sign language bits yeah uh it again like again they look amazing during the sign language bits they just kind of look a little bit funny uh when they're not doing sign language bits. But at the same time, well, uh, they look great. From the picture, I mean, from the from the character pictures on Mel, it looks like in the manga it's the same. They all have a very pronounced lower lip. I think that's yeah. just like an art style thing. I also have like a yeah. weird observation. Um, the like Itsuomi, he kind of reminds me of like Ginko from Mushishi, like visually the way that's he looks. True, yeah. And that's really funny because um, Itsuomi's kind of like main thing is that he loves to travel. And then like in Mushishi, like Ginko's whole thing is kind of he travels around. So I was just thinking the entire time like, oh, um, yeah, that's just uh, Ginko from Mushishi in a romance. All right. This is what he did in his college years. And there's like this one scene where like Yuki's like um, kind of like shy as hell around um, Itsuomi and she's like, man, even just looking at him like kind of has me troubled and I find it hard to like just look at him for long periods of time when he's giving me eye contact. I was just thinking the entire time that she should just watch Mushishi and then she'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Any any closing statements on Sign of Affection? Watch, watch it. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend yeah. it. It's pretty recommend. good. Friend's name, yeah. Especially I would love a child's friends. 
name is uh, Oshi, but uh, <laughs> just referring to him as the childhood friend is about as res much respect as he deserves. So I, I can fix but, him. He's yeah. going to get rejected <laughs> in a few episodes anyway, so this, he'll be fine. Great. All right. Yeah. Let's keep this show rolling. Next is a show that everybody was very excited for. Metallic Rouge. Why was people excited for this? I don't know. I was about to ask 25th that. anniversary project. I mean, I think the reason why people were excited is because it's like a cyberpunk aesthetic and it's made by Bones and like it had a lot of like hype through the cool scenes in the trailers. So that's kind of the vibe I got from the hype, I guess. Right. It's an anime original and it's by the same director as Carol and Tuesday and it is again set on Mars. <laughs> Um, well, no, uh, it, it's set across the entire solar system. Well, it starts on Mars. It, it starts on Mars. It definitely starts on Mars, yes. And I think they are still on Mars? Yeah, they, they give, like, history about wars on Mars, I believe. If humanity is. I'm pretty sure they... Oh, no, 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 you're right, they're still on Mars in episode two, yeah. I don't know if we ever... Will we get to Earth? Because, well, I mean, there's no source to have read by the uh, Naomi. Well, in episode two, they show people coming to Mars from Earth. Right. So we will probably get a look at Earth at least. Naomi kind of explains that aliens came to visit. They were not nice. And we went to war. And some point during the war, humanity kind of escaped and colonized Mars as like the final bastion of humanity. Yeah, I mean, to, like, say the premise, I guess, is that, like, it's one another one of those stories where you have, like, humans and, like, androids, and basically what's happening here is, like, the main girl, Rouge, um, there's, like, these nine artificial humans who are, like, hostile to the government, and it seems like um, the main girl, uh, Rouge, she's, like, her job is to basically murder all of those nine artificial humans, which I, I think they call, like, the Invincible Nine, which is kind of ironic because no, they're, they're called the Immortal Nine. nine. Oh, immortal! They're nine, called the yeah. immortal nine, yeah. Which, the ridiculous uh, six. Well. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the hateful eight. Uh, yeah, yeah. So she's hunting them down. One of them is literally just robot uh, Ella. What's her name? Ella Fitzgerald, the the jazz singer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah robot Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, like like the whole fucking like singer aesthetic and everything. Uh, this one's a little bit harder to talk about because. Its premise is intentionally very vague, like it starts yes. in Medea's race with, you know, Rouge on Mars hunting for one of the Immortal Nine. We don't quite know why uh, the Immortal Nine are being hunted right now. No. Uh, we, we don't, don't know much. Know. It's, it feels like a show that's gonna get very lore-heavy real fast. Uh, yeah, I mean... Because they've kind of found an excuse to info-dump about why we're on Mars and why there's, like, ruins everywhere. Naomi telling some kids on this big land train. Um, I will say it was at least a cute excuse for it. It was it a cute because, excuse. Like, she does it in like a it... in a fun, showy, like the way you talk to kids kind of way. And then it also explains why there are is this cohabitating race of uh, android humans, even though people seem to be kind of robot racist. <laughs> they're, they're very much you useless you useless piece of junk you couldn't even protect your master like they're yeah master and robot kind of relationship 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because like he was like gassing up the robot, like, oh, he was so good in the war, and yeah, then, yeah, like yeah. He, he gets grazed by a bullet once, even though the, you use the same scene, shit. <laughs> yeah, like the robot in that scene gets shot. He the literally robot did, did his job. He, he saved you. He did his yeah. job. He the, the owner's just an ungrateful asshole. He um, followed the laws of As Isaac Mo Mofu Mofu. <laughs> Yeah, he changed real quick once as soon as he got even I, I will out. I will note that's not just like some random anime nonsense name, that is actually just a direct reference to science fiction writer Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov. Yeah, I mean it's if you've seen iRobot, yeah. you know the laws of Asimov, which is like you can never hurt yeah. a human, you must always protect humans. La 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 la. And in any show or thing that mentions Asimov, of course there are robots who don't <laughs> obey that. Like, it's the laws of robotics. Well, guess what? <laughs> Sometimes robots don't care. Maybe that's yeah. why they're more um, kind of being hunted. Yeah. Uh, I think the animation looks great, but... Um, yeah, it's, I, it's beautiful. The only, I can't really sell it better than episode one sells it. You're either going to pick up what the show's putting down, or you're not. It's right. a very much... It, it, it's very much a, like cyberpunk uh, uh setting where the protagonist is like right a, a fucking like like an arm of whatever higher authority is controlling the uh the neons of the robot humans um there there are seeds planted of some other weird stuff um aside from Isaac Asimov uh someone on Twitter spotted a uh, selection of poems by English poet William Blake in the episode um he uh, then identified specifically that uh it was an excerpt from on another sorrow from songs of innocence and experience so for uh anyone who's versed in the william blake poetry or who's just really into v from devil may cry 5 uh they may know what that means i unfortunately don't isn't he like quoth the raven like <laughs> no that's edgar Allan poe <laughs> yeah uh, no but william like v blake from... is the uh yeah, yeah. He V turned, from Devil May Cry Five constantly crow, quotes William Blake. Like he, yeah. like he's the he's the poison tree guy, and he's the I have no name, I am but two days old guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I will quickly note before we move on as well. English dub is excellent. Uh, I know a lot of people love Tomoyo Kurosawa as Naomi in the uh, Japanese dub. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Cassia Wulu's doing as good a job in the English, so. I, again, yeah. I'm watching English for this, but, <clears throat> yeah. I will, I mean, Carol and Tuesday didn't do a lot for me. I think I dropped, I don't remember finishing it. I think I dropped it. This one, I am digging the, 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 the friendship between Naomi and Fern. Not Fern, Rouge. <laughs> Rouge. <laughs> I just think well, of her We'll Fern. get to Fern later. Come yeah. on. I mean, Fern was so good. She is now in two shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Fern would also like chocolate. That's like my only observation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they have a lot in common, really. Um, their friendship dynamic, even though it feels like it kind of came out of nowhere, it, it already feels a lot more believable to me than Carolyn's Tuesday. Yeah, I would yeah. say the chemistry is really good. The there. chemistry like, I do is like really the dialogue between them. Like uh, just with the comedic timing, and uh, whether it be the serious or like just the funny scenes, they're like they bounce off each other well enough. Where it's like, oh, okay, even if you met her through a talking bird, which was pretty weird, um, 
it's still pretty like natural how they interact so it doesn't right. feel like i have to suspend my disbelief or anything they get, they get along in a way that is like it was like weirdly quick they became besties but i believe it i buy it sometimes that happens you're just immediately best well, friends. i mean i mean the thing is like it's mentioned in episode one that they have history even if it's through the bird naomi has apparently yeah. been How supporting long has for a while the now bird? right yeah, that, and that, why that's has she, the question. But... And why has she been hanging out as a bird for so long? <laughs> yeah. Um, I I will say the uh, the funniest scene from episode two was when Naomi was like, hey, you should, uh, you should give the kid some chocolate. Roosh takes a look at the kid and then, like, aggressively Starves and angrily down shoves the, the rest of the thing. chocolate in her mouth. Wow, yeah. some adult you are. Of the kid. <laughs> I, I mean, am but a, the peak, I am but a small child. <laughs> that was like the best character development she's yeah. had so That's far, awesome. where she goes from like aggressively eating the chocolate out of spite to like handing it over. So is end. is Rouge a robot? She is yeah. definitely some kind of neon because Cause, uh, cause every they, single neon yeah. in the setting, every single artificial human has something called a nectar uh, intake port. Yes. A nectar is basically that. their blood. They need to they need but, to inject it to survive. But, but, she but, does but, have but. one. They also explain that this nectar thing is like drugs for humans. Humans also want it, which I think is a that's a that's a fault in design that this really important fuel for the robot race is also like cocaine for non-humans. Yes. That's going to create some <laughs> Like a bit of a infighting. To be fair, we don't know if that was even like an intended effect. Like this was mo so this was supposed to be robot blood. I don't think they expected it to be you know really good shrooms for people. Heroin. We have we yeah. have we have invented insulin. Unfortunately, it's also heroin. <laughs> it just reminds me of like how some people enjoy the smell of like petrol. Like I doubt that was intentional, but people smells, really enjoy that. For some smells reason. amazing, but I'm not gonna drink it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But like this is just different because it's like intake. But I this guess. is like I don't know. these the neons have to have it like every day or they shut down. It's not even like a slow degradation. It's just they just die <laughs> if they don't get it. I think the scene in the first episode is like. Some asshole steals like this neon worker's nectar, and uh, he doesn't make it to the next day. So he just drops, he deactivates, and then in the very next day, he's like fucking carted off and loaded onto a garbage truck. There's like, apparently a no of way of just like jump starting a neon. When they die, they die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was that one character yeah, who kind of looks like uh, Vash from Trigon, who's like a massive asshole <laughs> the entire show. Yeah, even Vash the Stampede. <laughs> There's also, of course, the worth pointing out that the Neons are a leftover relic from this alien war. Like that's where they came from. They were created as a as a weapon, and now the war is over, and they are just still around. And yeah. I'm I'm guessing that's gonna lead to some conflict <laughs> at some point that this AI uh, super race of robot people maybe feel a little bit of resentment <laughs> that they've just been left over. A little bit, just a little bit over, you know, being treated like literal garbage. And being treated maybe, like, maybe just like, like, oh, you tad. died. You get maybe picked up by a garbage disposal. Mm -hmm. Oh, you didn't block your master perfectly even though you got shot in the chest. Oh, you're trash. You're garbage. Protect your master, slug. Look, <laughs> look, all I'm saying is that if robot Nat Turner started leading a rebellion to kill a bunch of, like, human masters of Neons. 
I'm not saying don't stop him, but I'm also <laughs> not saying you need to stop him right away. Yeah, this is... I mean, I'm interested to see where it goes. It's beautiful. I just hope, like... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I just hope it doesn't turn into, like, Detroit Become Human Anime Edition. Yeah, I mean, that oh, is... Man. Of oh, course, God, hey. don't mind me. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about this show. It's okay, I guess. Um, man, I would love I'm not that. really, like, a fan of its method of storytelling. I do like Naomi, and there are some, like, decent-looking action scenes. Like, there, I remember there being some, like, pretty nuts stuff in the second episode, and, and then, then, like, it flashes to that tank going right. on the desert there's like a and big like, fat like, and it's it looks rough yeah big tanks chasing in the desert is there anything better Sh maybe add some spider robots shooting lasers yeah fuck yeah dude a little a little, a little rough hey, but, i thought it looked great Sixes thing <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean uh with the storytelling i just want to critically like it kind of feels like it's trying to do a Blade Runner, where it's like quite vague and then like quite subtle with how the story moves, and you just kind of have to see what the characters do and then figure it out through like small exposition bits, like mm -hmm. how we mentioned how Naomi talks to them kids about what happened in the past. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to see if they manage to pull it off or if it's just going to become like really confusing by the end. So hopefully <laughs> yeah, they manage like... to pull through. Is it going to be profound or is it going to be preachy? <laughs> yeah, I get like I, the, I get the feeling like when I'm watching an episode that this is going to be I'm going to finish like the last episode and then forget about it like three weeks later. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Sure. Yeah, kind of where I'm at with yeah. it. I I am interested enough to keep going. Uh, I have no idea of knowing. Uh, I have no way of knowing what's going to come next, but I am interested enough to see it through. Yeah, same. Same. Now, a show that is worth seeing through to the end. Next one. Oh, boy. Gush oh, gushing <laughs> over uh, Magical, Magical Girls. Girls. Another high dive okay. instant classic. <laughs> I, I only have five words to say about this show, and it is the most like meaningful things I have to say. Uh, dead dove do not eat. It is exactly what you think it is. Like you see this devil girl with the with the whipping stick and her tits on full display, and all the magical girls tied up. It's like, well, I mean, I guess what I wonder what's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was not so... expecting bear. Like that's what I found out it was high dive, and it's like, um, like that kind of show is like immediately in episode one is just bare nipple. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I going in I knew that like the source for this is fucking wild. Mm -hmm. So I was very I was very interested in seeing like how far they would go with it. And I'm glad that they go like real far. They go all the way, Jesus they go Christ. All the way. <laughs> it's I heard, so... like something weird about the audio. Apparently it's like it censored the audio. Like just the audio? Yeah, like something about moans being censored. I don't know no, too deeply about it, but that's what I heard. They, they did say that they were going to air like a, like a uncensored, but like still kind of censored version, and that's the version that High Dive has. But like, uh, I don't right, know right. what the fuck they're censoring because. I mean, the only thing they're not much... showing is like the, their crotch. I mean, yeah. Is there a version with just even, full and frontal? Even, and even then, we got pretty damn close. Even in the then, episode. yeah. The, they just hold their fingers there in a way that <laughs> still looks like. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, yeah, it's so just, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> the whole premise of this show is that our main girl, Utena, 
is, revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, she's she's very revolutionary. She uh she idolizes a normal healthy amount, like has the figures up and like owns the merch of the she, her she is normal and can be trusted with merchandise. <laughs> yeah. She has some merch of her like town's local magical girls that save the town from evil monsters and stuff, and it's like a normal healthy, I guess. Just fangirl thing. Yeah. yeah, she's at normal healthy level right posters, now. Posters, then... figures, merchandise. She's just she yeah. loves them, right? She yeah. loves them. A normal amount. She a normal else, amount. But... <laughs> and who would be proud? And then she's approached at school one day by this black. What would you even call the the mascot of this show? Um, the the, what, the what thing the thing it's from like a... uh what what uh, from Monica the white. Thing? What's that? Yeah, Cube? that but that Cube. that but evil. Black the, the joke is that Cube is literally <laughs> most yeah. evil little aspirin ever. <laughs> um he approaches her and she's like, Oh my god, this is the thing that turns me into a magical He's like waited her whole life for it. She finally gets to join the people that she highlights. <laughs> and he's like, No, you're gonna become the the villain because like that's what I see in your heart. And so she turns into the villain, which, by the way, this is the first magical girl show I've seen where, like, they show boobs in the henshin, like, bare nipples yep. in the in the transformation sequence. And she becomes this, like, bat-type person with her weapon of choice, which is a riding crop. And she, yeah, as you can then the, uh, she attacks the magical girls, who are also her classmates. And... Inflicts oh, yeah. pain. She she finds out that she like she like like likes them, like a little bit obsessively and just wants to see them in all sorts of funny, risque, yeah. like positions. So she starts lines them all up in the picture and starts like whipping them with the riding crop on their butts. Which yeah. this approach is like leads to a pretty funny gag the next day at school when they're like <clears throat> they can't sit down because their asses hurt too much. <laughs> there is a funny like you say it's she attacks them the thing is like this uh what, what is it's the name the little black, attack black her. cat no he's like you try hitting the flowers your crop your power is that the things you hit with this thing become alive and fight for you try hitting that flower and then it becomes this tentacle beast and she's like whoa 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 <laughs> Why is this happening? Oh no! And then after a while, she gets way into it. She realizes yeah, well, that the her her fangirling over these magical girls comes from loving seeing them get hurt when they fight. Yeah, <laughs> like gushing is a very good translation because that's a good way to describe what she does. She gushes when she, she gets to, to she hit do them she do be gushing. <laughs> <laughs> Like you said with the chain soldier, like there's a lot of S and M going on here. I think Jeez. what in the second episode, that poor blue magical girl gets like absolutely broken by her. By episode like three, a... she's like yeah. kind of into it. <laughs> yeah, she's she's like okay, it's just us two, and we have to fight. And she goes, she starts blushing, like oh my god, what's gonna happen this time? I hope she doesn't blindfold me. Oh no, <laughs> that was yeah, she awful. Really <laughs> and there's some like genuinely funny moments in it too, like when the when Black Cube uh, leaves like a trail of porn magazines. Oh yeah, lures her out with S and M mags. 
And she's, she falls for it. She's just sitting there at the yeah. temple reading them. This is the good shit. Yeah, this is what. I, and, this is uh, good. And Blue Girl turns out to be like a shrine maiden there, and then they fight. Yeah. Or well, fight or fight. fight. I mean, she gets blindfolded and <laughs> diddled. She's she basically gets forced into submission, and she doesn't hate it. So like, <laughs> she's awakening to her masochist side. Utena is like slowly but surely starting to accept that she's a bit of a sadist. <laughs> and then there was that showdown with the yellow magical girl, though, where she, like, realizes that, like, her life is also at risk. Yes. Like, she could get fucked up at any moment. Yeah, yellow girl could actually fight back. Because she's, like, yeah. defensive of the group. But that's just what she's been making people think. Actually, when she gets in close combat, she can fuck you up. Yeah. So that's yeah. like that whole fight is about like dripping candle wax and stuff yeah, like that. Oh, like, yeah, I forgot about the like yeah where she lights the candle and just drips it all over. So her, episode her one, boobs. like she whips their asses. I think later it's like tickle torture. Then we yeah. got candle wax and then <laughs> and like twice the blue girl gets like blindfolded and restrained while she fondles her. Like yeah. they don't hold anything back. <laughs> and then we meet her like. Meet we meet oh, Kiwi. Her, we meet Kiwi. <laughs> she's my favorite character. So, like, Kiwi easily, like, quickly became my favorite character. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. She's pretty hilarious. And her transformation sequence is perfect. But this, yeah, this show definitely, like, goes all the way and isn't afraid to. It's the To Love Rude director, so Ki Kiwi is he's like, very well-versed. Kiwi is, like, immediately very adversarial because, like, Utena gets taken to the, the evil stronghold. All the villains are out on business, except Kiwi. So they have a fight, and she uh, and, and Utena dominates Kiwi. And Kiwi is just immediately like, Oh my god, I love you. <laughs> I'm going to transfer to your school so we can be together all the time. They also address the fact that all these characters are in the same class, but they don't recognize each other. That's like a magical thing. That, yeah. So when they're transformed, you can't recognize them. Except, the, they look, like, if you're on the same team, obviously you can. The, the villains can recognize each other. But they're all, like, buddy-buddy with, with each other in school. Which is, <laughs> which is cool. funny. Yeah, this show is just, it's awesome. <laughs> Big recommendation. It's, it's very unhinged. <laughs> it's so unhinged, but it's awesome. The voice acting for main girl, for Utena, is also great, because she's just, like, audibly quivering. <laughs> the entire time she's so into it and trying to hold back and then when she like snaps and goes full sadist she gets like the dummy the dummy tone <laughs> yeah she's real she gets yeah her voice actress is great all the voice acting is and then really afterwards good. she's like oh my god did i do that <laughs> what's wrong with me <laughs> nothing baby <laughs> you're perfect just as you are let your freak flag fly <laughs> Big recommend if you're old enough to look at boobies. Yeah. Otherwise, want, like, at, uh, otherwise find uh, the censored version, even though I mean <laughs> I, I, I don't know what they're gonna show in that. What what would they show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Big recommend. So let's keep this moving. The next one is also a everybody but me, I think, show. Witch and the Beast clarified that I watched episode one, got disappointed, and dropped it. 
I have watched both episodes. I've also watched both episodes. All right. Well, what's it about? So <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. I one. can do um, this one. I I, I okay. got disappointed because I read the manga, so I can do this one. Um, oh, so okay. basically, in a world that looks like everyone's dressed like the like the fucking nineteen twenties, like there's nineteen twenties fashion and Art Deco everywhere. Um, yeah. There are. Um, Sorry. There are, uh, there's magic. It looks like the modern world, but there is magic. And there are, uh, magical people known as witches. Uh, magic users of immense power, whose power gets passed down through their lineages. Uh, but there are also, you know, normal mages who are an order of magnitude below, um, witches. Uh, and then there's a Guido, or one of our protagonists, who is... Someone who's been cursed by a witch. Um, there are only three ways to uh, undo the curse. Uh, one way is to receive a uh, true love's kiss from a Prince Charming. Another way is to have the hateful witch repent. Uh, well, not change, not repent, change their mind and lift the curse. And the third way, that's unfortunately temporary for Guido, is to uh, kiss a witch. So... Uh, Guido and uh, their companion, Ashoff, uh, travel around the world trying to find the witch that cursed Guido, because... I'm using they because, like, Guido is trapped in the body of a woman right now, but their, like, true body is this fucking, like, monster that's, uh, like, in a coffin that Ashoff lugs around for them, and whenever they break the curse by kissing, kissing a witch, like, they get their soul transferred back to their original body, and they, like, go and fuck up witches. Hell yeah. So, the core premise of the show is Ashoff and Guido traveling around, trying to find the witch who cursed Guido, and trying to get her to lift Guido's curse. Which is gonna be a problem, because Guido is fucking pissed off, and full of hatred, and is willing to fucking bite your head off at a moment's notice. Yeah. Guido is a very angry being. It also starts off with them fighting, like, a giant Stark, which was random, and I yeah, it's like a shark. It's like a Junji Ito shark from like Gyo or something. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, that, uh, that's actually our. If, no, the uh, episode one starts off with a giant shark, but uh, Gido and Ashoff don't fight it. It's the uh, witch of the episode who kills it. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, it's like meant to demonstrate how that witch like um is doing the thing she's doing to, like, show off as, like, a protector of the town. And that's, like, the conflict of the initial episode where it's, like, the witch is shown as, like, a positive influence on the town currently, but in the past, uh, the history is that the town was, like, set on fire, and apparently the witch was the one that was caused it. So that's, like, what people know of. But so it seems weird at first that the witch would be, like, you know, like, loved by the public, but... Then you find out she's been like constantly fighting off like monsters and protecting the town and like befriending people. Yeah. Um. After the first episode, I was actually like pretty into this show. Like it. Yeah. I like the action looked pretty good. It had some pretty gnarly gore when the witch was like luring girls to her mansion, and they like woke up and all their like their uh hands and feet were like cut off. It was pretty uh, shocking. And then, like, when we saw Guido's true form, 
I was hyped. There was some Yuri in there, which is always welcome. The and the the main guy, I forget his name already. The one that lugs the coffin around. Ashoff is so fucking cool. He looks like Krollo, and I like Krollo. Um, and then the second episode happened, and I I honestly couldn't tell you what happened in the second episode. Like I think I fell asleep during it. Yeah, basically so, the second yeah. episode is a lot slower because what happens in it is um, mostly them like trying to do like different missions because basically the point is is that Gudo herself or himself is um locked to like this organization i think they call like the order or something their shoulder can probably uh, correct magical me resonance is the name a magical resonance but like i think they say like the order or something she has to follow uh because that like organization is essentially helping her to find the witch that put on a curse so because of that she kind of has to help uh like do really mundane tasks like for example one of the tasks they solve is literally just like a box of like some old lady that they couldn't open and it had like magical inscription on it and ashaf is like pretty good at doing undoing spells so he helps her and so like guido is like obviously just getting pissed because he's like wow why am i wasting my time doing all this when i want to just fight a witch like that's like my whole purpose but i have to like do like dumb magical housework at times they talked a lot the second episode was definitely like a lot less action heavy Which yeah I guess that makes me sound like a meathead that I only like action but I maybe I just watched well, it thinking, after a long day of work thing, like the talking isn't even very well animated like that's the problem with this adaptation it moves like it moves about as well as the kingdom anime and that, that that's not a compliment <laughs> actually yeah, I mean, no I would, say the, I would say the kingdom anime moves better than the witch and the beasts anime yeah, yeah I'd say that's that's like great. That's fair. I mean, I don't think the anime is, like, an amazing adaptation or anything, but I do think it's, like, good enough where I'm not, like, watching this and thinking, wow, this is, like, a PowerPoint presentation or something. It's, like, good enough where you can enjoy it still, even if you, like, would think, oh, I could just read the manga. But I would say, like, some of the aspects of the adaptation are pretty cool. So, for example, the music. I really like the music. It kind of gives me, like, a Bakuno vibe for some reason. Like, I didn't expect it, but it's got pretty funky music in it. And I think the voice acting for the characters is really good. So, like, the witch uh, we meet early on, like, her, like, unhinged voice is, like, pretty well done. Um, like, Guido himself, like, when he's getting pissed, like, the voice actor does a great job there as well. So I would say, like, there are decent, like, aspects to the adaptation. I can also understand why someone might find it a bit underwhelming from, like, an animation standpoint. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I need to go back and rewatch the second episode because I think I was I was just like tired when I watched it, but it was not the most engaging thing in yeah. the world, especially when you compare. It's definitely it to slower. The yeah, so I'm still gonna like stick with it, but my my like expectations are a little bit lower now. Yeah, it like sets up. It's basically a setup episode for like an investigation. Like they do like a partnership because they finally found like another witch um mission to go on so like they have to partner with this like investigator it seems and um they have to like prove to her that they are worth like working with and essentially the way it happens is that they show off like their personal reason for like actually attacking the witch or like going after witches i guess and that convinces her to like work with them so i guess in like episode three and further we're going to see what the result of their like partnership is yeah all right so is that a recommend? Is it good? 
excited. Well, I'd say I'd say give at least the first episode yeah. a shot. I mean, right. if you've read the manga, you might prefer to just re- keep reading the manga. But I'm I'm enjoying it still. Yeah. I think it's like not the most amazing production this season at all, but it's definitely fun enough and has like interesting aspects to it from the anime alone that I would say to give the first episode a shot and see if you like it. All right. Like the first episode, you're probably going to like the rest of the show unless something really drastic happens. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That. That's all. That's good to say. Here, then. Right. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move it along because we're only halfway. Let's <laughs> try to speed it up just a little bit. To be uh, fair, with like the previous seasons ones, I guess we'll go much faster with those because like we probably yeah. discussed it. Right. Before. Yeah. Yeah. But some of them are also sequels. Um, all right. So somebody tell me about Sengoku Yoku. Yoko. That's a cute fox boy. Cat man. Uh, cute fox girl, actually. Girl. Uh, Tom is a girl. That's a girl? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, I like this quite a lot, but uh, I just wanted to ask, is there any like previous fan of Satoshi Mizukami here, because this is my first contact with any of his work, so I figured someone more familiar with him would be a little more suited. I watched Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. Oh, I'm so sorry! (laughs) You know, I think the manga is more animated than that was. And that, my only, like, there was some sprinklings of, like, a good story in there, but I, I'm not the one yeah, no, I mean, one of the thing that's braces. Just to make it clear, this is definitely a better adaptation than Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. Yeah. Just going off the first couple of episodes. So if you're scared I mean, that it's like another Lucifer, then I would say don't be worried because it's definitely yeah, do not be there. Yeah, do not. This is not another Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. Misukami fans, you can you can calm down. It's okay. <laughs> the 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 fucking studio nut isn't here anymore. It's okay. Studio so um, <laughs> that was the that was the fucking studio that it, it was. It was Naz. <laughs> yeah, but they also Naz. made Yoji. Uh, oh, it was Naz. My bad. It was Naz. Okay, good, good, good. Who have made my well, sister my writer Naz. as well? So oh yeah, I mean oh what a show. <laughs> yeah. Studio for this is a uh, White Fox, so you'll probably know them for like ReZero and Steins Gate. So. Right. And it's also gonna yeah. be thirty-seven uh, episodes. Yeah, it's Jesus. gonna be for a while. So um, C five, do you want to introduce this one? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I can if I'll yeah, go ahead. Go it's fine. Um, basically, what the concept is is like you've got humans and monsters. Uh, it's like a it's set in the Sengoku period, I assume, based on the title. And um, with the series in the world, you basically have like these two uh, like fox people. Well, I, I'm I think they're spirits. Are they fox spirits? Um, so. The girl, Tama, is uh, calls herself a Yoko, which is a type of fox spirit. Um, yeah. And the boy, Jinka, is a uh, sendo, a sage. Uh, they call each other brother and sister. We're not quite sure if they're, like, actually blood-related yet. Uh, how the gimmick works... Well, the gimmick is that um, whenever he has to fight one of the monsters, called the Katawara... Um, Jinka has to uh, do something called spirit transformation. He uh, he like drinks some of Tama's blood, and then he becomes like a white-haired fox person, and uh, that's a super mode. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like Karama from Yu Yu Hakusho. That's he has the was, transformation. That's who I was talking about with uh, Fox Boy. Not, um, not Tama. Oh wait, in Yu 
Is that what you're thinking of? Oh. No, no, no. The white-haired mode. He drinks blood and becomes like a... Oh, yeah, no. Sorry. Yeah, Jinka in that mode does, like... He gets four giant foxtails right. that he uses. But... That's, what I was, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, oh, right. Okay. Okay, my bad. I thought you were talking about Tama. Who no, does that's, that's obviously kind of itty-bitty girl. Okay, yeah, no, my bad. Oh, yeah, Jinka's a dude, then. Is that what we, like, the confusion was? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought Panic was talking about Tama, but no, Jinka he was talking, is Panic who, was talking about Jinka. Jinka is who shows up when you Google this show. Yes, he is yeah. the white Yeah, Fox. Jinka is on the posters. Yeah. White, white Fox. But yeah, to go more in detail, basically... Literally the, White like, Fox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally White Fox. Uh, the concept literally is essentially that um, Jinka and like Tama are like pretty overpowered is what it looks like they look pretty strong and even though they're not human they like seem to have like a like affection for human like Tama basically he loves humans and he vows to like protect them so that's why her and like Jinka are like together and like Jinka doesn't like humans so like that's the contrast but because Tama wants to save humans he goes along with it um and like to specify as well Jinka is um a human as well while mostly being a human um and then the, and then like the main protagonist is like this swordsman he's like his name's shinsuke and essentially like what might be a little off-putting is that he's kind of one of those protagonists that's like very headstrong very like wants to like do the right thing but they're not very strong themselves so they can come off as a little annoying if you find that kind of trope uh, difficult mm. to like digest because like the characters around him are generally stronger than Shinsuke himself, at least early on so far. So I don't mind it because I think, at, re at the very least, he's not one of those like cowardly like characters that get really annoying because they're constantly scared because they're weak. He actually just seemed to like try to like fight normally or like try to think of like ways to get around problems without just like being scared instantly and hiding behind like Jinka, who's like meant to be like the really strong one. So I don't mind him too much, but I do think some people might have issues with, like, that trope. Credit. Shinsuke isn't actually, like, a pathetic weakling. It's just he's unprepared for this weight class. Like, he's shown to be a pretty decent, like, swordsman. Like, when they're yeah. fighting the band of bandits in the first episode, he, like, gets a good hit off, and I'm pretty sure he even kills one of them. The problem is he's just utterly unprepared to fight Katawada. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, he he's technically not weak, but, like, when it comes to, like, the actual big monster fights, he's, like, the weak one, essentially, at least right now. So that's why he kind of feels a little bit in that trope to me. But it's not annoying because, like, he's, like, decent otherwise, and, like, he, he still has, like, a head on his shoulders. He's not, like, I don't know, like, Zenitsu or something where he's just, like, super scared all the time. He's not like Zenitsu in that he doesn't take, like, way too fucking long to grow a functioning spine. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's why I don't find him annoying personally, but I do, like, see why he might be annoying to someone. Yeah. Like, saying this as one of the psychopaths who, you know, enjoys Zenitsu screaming and finds it funny, like, he, he's not he's not a Zenitsu, he has a spine. He shows that he has a spine in episode 2. Um, yeah. I would say that the strongest part about this entire, um, about these two episodes is how the three main characters kind of like interact with each other and how they kind of balance out each other's worst flaws so that they're not like insufferable to watch like on his own jinka can get really really misanthropic and it would be really exhausting to watch but he never goes that far because tom is around to like smack him with a paper fan or something uh shinsuke like 
kind of so sometimes has some like delusions of grandeur and he gets really big for his britches but like jenka and tom are always there to you know poke a hole in his big boy persona and get him to back down a bit and uh, tama can be like excessively naive like she goes up to the group of bandits in the first episode and goes like stop doing this what you're doing is wrong and then proceeds to go like explain why how they're doing what they're doing is wrong and how they should like go back to a system of mutual aid so nobody will try to fucking kill them in their old age and she expects them to buy that uh but jinka and shinsuke are both like yeah no that's unfortunately not gonna work right now um the second episode showcases a lot of the like darkness lurking behind the curtains in this world because in the first episode, we meet an order of monks called the Dangaishu trying to, um... Trying to fight off a hostile Katawada, but then in the second one episode, we learned that they were the ones who caused the fucking problem in the first place because they, um... Took a human and experimented on them to make them become a Katawada. It's... It's a fascinating, uh, setup. Um, there's no, like, overarching story right now. The story right now is just to go beat up the, the Dangaishu for what they did to that one person. Um, and I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot to specify, yeah. but, like, Tama herself, the little fox girl, is, is a Katawara. So, like, that's kind of, like, a part of her character where she does love humans, but, like, the reason why it seems weird is because she's a Katawara and, like, pretty much every Katawara so far has kind of just attacked humans or, like, been a human that turned into one and, like, became massively aggressive, so. Yeah, and they they save the pink-haired girl, like, she turned into one. and Yeah, Shakugan like, is her they, name. They take her in in the second episode. And yeah. we don't yeah. really know much about her. Well, we know that, like, she was, like, um, she was a, a girl who was, like, done really? by out by the people in her village. Uh, the Dangaishu say that it's because she had, like, spirit power and that caused them to not like her. Uh, but, you know, considering the fact that they're the ones who fucking kidnapped her and experimented on her in the first place, they're not the most reliable of narrators. I think one really, like, chillingly effective scene was, like, when she's, like turned into a katawara when she's turned into this monstrous woman like she like goes back to the village um and like she comes across her father who like fucking sold her to this order of monks who like experimented on her and instead of like directly showing us like her fucking smashing him into a paste we cut away to like the nearby waterway and instead of seeing anything we just hear thuds and we see the screen shake as gradually, like, blood leaks into the waterway and it stains the waterway red. Hmm. And this isn't in a flashback where, like, most everything is monochrome, too. Yeah, I, I found the flashback pretty good. Like, just the general, like, um, retelling of what happened to her was, like, pretty effective. I'd say, so far, the world has been set up decently well. So, like, when you see the three characters interact and talk about different things, it doesn't just feel like we've been thrown in and don't really understand what's going on. It's pretty clear, like, straight away, like, what the three different characters, like, motives are, like, the mains. And then I would say their chemistry together is well done as well. Like, um, how Shoulder mentioned, like, the reason why they don't feel annoying is because the three characters kind of, like, work off each other to make the more annoying or, like, worse traits make more sense and feel, like, 
better in, within the world itself and it doesn't feel like oh why is this happening or why are they acting this way because the other two in the party would like correct them straight away if something goes too far so it doesn't feel like i have to deal with a character being annoying for so long that it gets on my nerves because the other two characters are there to like keep each other in check so it works well as a party i would say yeah and it's also been a very like action e start the first two episodes have had a good amount of action so i'm wondering if like it's going to slow down in the upcoming little bits like if it so i'm interested i'm in for the ride i'm not a manga reader but from what i've have heard it is like meant to be like action heavy as a series oh, so, I, so if I'm... that's something you enjoy then yeah i would say check this out yeah, I'm also curious to see, like, how far into the manga we're going to get. I don't think the manga is, like, super, super long, so I don't know if 37 episodes is going to be enough to adapt the whole thing. So that's kind of a precise number of episodes. From what Annie List is saying, it says 100 chapters, so it could be the full thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll guess we'll find out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, good show. Uh, check it out. It's pretty fun. Right. Speaking of good show, pretty fun. We're moving yeah. on to the the sequels and uh, spillover from past season segment, starting with Freerin, Freerin at the funeral. So so no Freerin, the best romance. Freerin beyond journeys. The best little romance story that ever was. And oh, I guess there's it also took an 80 years. Only took 80 fucking years. Oh, I'm so sorry, Himmel. So sorry. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about Fern and Stark. Obviously. <laughs> oh. This is just the story of a country boy and, <laughs> and <laughs> a magical prodigy learning to show, like, express their Learning feelings. to grow emotionally beyond the age of six. Yes. They're both very reserved <laughs> and scared of each other. <laughs> well, no. In a, in a very cute. Fern. Stark is scared of Fern. Fern is just like really fucking bad at saying what she actually means and is really hostile to Stark with little reason. <laughs> She's getting can... better. But... I don't know that I'd call her a Sundere or anything, but she is like they're both very bad at expressing their what they feel. Yeah, like I, mean, like I said, they're they're both emotionally like six years old. No, they're both with, teenagers. <laughs> That's with, what with they like, are. <laughs> with Fern, it's like a weird mix of having like the tone of like a Kudere, and then she like acts like a Sundere sometimes. So it's like she just gives mixed signals. I think, uh, I think it's it's a thing of her like wanting to be courted. Right, she wants Stark to do the, to take the lead a little bit, and he's horrified of girls because he's fifteen, sixteen years old. I don't know how old he is. He's scared. He's <laughs> he very know what scared. To do. Yeah. Um, he hasn't had any like male like... role models to show him the way. <laughs> he's being raised he's by. Best real... Yeah. Yeah. He. he, he... His best male, his best male his best male role model for fuck's sake, I can't speak today. Was Ison? Um, yeah, Ison, the the dwarf who uh 
punched him because he got really scared of how strong Stark was and uh, forgot, not not forgot, uh, didn't get to say sorry before Stark ran away. Yeah. Like, like Eisen was he, not there to he teach no him. experience drawn. Eisen wasn't there to teach him any Riz whatsoever. Eisen had no Riz. Eisen does not, eh, I mean, I don't know. Eisen was old. Eisen's been, Eisen has been old forever. He probably had Riz at one point. Uh, true. Dwarf race. But yeah, like, we don't... <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then fucking... And then fucking Fern's childhood was even more messed up because she was raised by a priest who told her that priest. alcohol is the best medicine. There is so much wrong with this girl's education that needs to be corrected. Yeah. I mean, I mean at least now they have, like, Sign in the party who, like, does a pretty good job of, And like, now they have a men. shared mom who is also... Like the least risked person in the world. Yeah. yeah but no understanding of romance whatsoever. At least Sign is like that guy who knows Sign, how to like. Sign was make a good dad. Makeup. For the yeah, he's a good dad. He was there. He was there. I am enjoying he, uh, the he current in... arc, though. But... Yeah, he, he left before the current arc because he went to go find his very memorably named friend, Gorilla Warrior. Gorilla Warrior. <laughs> Yeah, excellent strategy for Beowulfian immortality. Yeah. Just think, name I yourself think, fucking ridiculous things. I think that's part of it that I uh, like a lot is that it's not scared to just have Sign walk off. Yeah. Like in another was, show, yeah. he would have sticked around because he's like instrumental to the social dynamic, but he just leaves. Yeah, you my know? I was like going, I was thinking while I was watching, I was like, is he gonna like stay? Because I wouldn't mind having him stay around and. Right. He was a great character. Join the, he... this party because I really like him. But then he yeah. was like very had his own reason to go off. And he I was had like, oh, his personal. I'm quest sad, but like and... I, yeah, yeah I appreciate that they weren't afraid to do that. Right. Yeah, in a weird way, it kind of reminds me of like Hunter Hunter, where like you think like Kurapiko and Leoria are just gonna be there the entire show, but like they have their own goals in life, so they just like leave. Yeah, they go and do other stuff, which I hope like we get some cuts to like maybe like a thing about what he's doing by the end yeah i forget if they like uh oh well no i i don't remember if they've mentioned that yet in the anime so i'm not going to talk about it uh what i will talk about instead is uh i like how um i like how also like the show's sense of comedy feels like very in line with the rest of it uh in the sense that it doesn't stick out as much as Sometimes it does in the Apothecary Diaries, which we'll get to, but, like, yeah. the, the entire joke where, like, where, like, fucking Freeran blows a kiss at Zine, and she treats it like some kind of ancient seduction technique, and he's just taught like, what this the by fuck my was master. <laughs> and then you have Fern and Stark freaking out, like, they, they just- Oh my god, that was way too sexy, what the fuck? Because <laughs> they're so sheltered, they've they never talk... seen anything. <laughs> They've never seen anything like it. And then they, like, go, like, wow, he must... You know, he's corrupt, but he's still a holy man to be able to resist. <laughs> yeah. He's, so, like, he's just, like... His like, mind, as a priest, his mind is so pure that nothing... He, he is, cannot be swayed by this ancient seduction technique. Meanwhile, Zion is just standing there, like, who raised all of you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that bit actually subverted my expectations. Who is this sassy lost child? <laughs> I literally thought they like Stark and Fern were just gonna like start burst out laughing, but no, they actually just think it's like the best They're technique blushing. of all time. Uh, like, holy shit! What the fuck? <laughs> you know, I uh, 
Also, uh, in the English dub, uh, Mallory Rodak does a great job as Freeman. They have an yeah. excellent line in there where, like, Zine, who's also voiced excellently by Christopher Vick, Cop is like, what the hell was that? And then Freeman just replies, I blew you a kiss. It's a seduction technique. I guess you're a little too young to get it, Sonny. <laughs> Sonny. Yeah, her her English... The inclusion actress, of Sonny in that line just made it so much Sonny better. Boy. Her voice actress is great in English. A little deep, but it's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, her yeah, her delivery I, I, of kill yourself was great. <laughs> that, <laughs> the meme yeah. to transcend all time, freer and... <laughs> all right. Kill yourself. I do. I do love all the memes of Freer being like this toxic gamer. It's like all the names meaning in German, and her is just racist. Racist. <laughs> <That's not laughs> That's uh, great. But yeah, um, Freer remains pretty much the same kind of show, uh, except for the current arc, which is a lot more focused on like magic battles. For a certain crowd of people, they're not going to like this as much. Uh, for other crowds, they're going to like it a little bit better. Um, me, personally, uh, my biggest complaint when it got to this part of the manga is the pacing, because I felt like it took forever. But I'm happy to say that the anime makes it feel a lot faster, because they can move along faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like. So I think that a lot of pacing problems are going to be solved by just the fact that this is animated and can adapt multiple chapters per episode. Right. Yeah, that's, I think it's funny that, like, I would, if I was Freerun, like, I would be mad if I lived along, like, lived, like, all these centuries and would have to, like, keep retaking whatever new, yeah, like, that's magic funny. certification that's bullshit they come up like, with. And, like, Freerun, are you not a certified maze? Well, they change the certification every 50 years. I can't keep doing this. They change the every once in a while. Every 50 years. I can't be bothered to walk yeah. over there and get a new one. Do it all and, the time. <laughs> and the first stage of this like new test as a group project like that sucks i would be oh, upset yeah. about this <laughs> yep, but like yeah. the new characters that they introduced free runs to partners that she are with that she's with they're like a whole mess like they're, they're i think they're pretty funny i could see them being annoying but the like i i think they're funny yeah. I, I think they're funny I like how Freeran, she's just like i'm too old for this and anytime they fight the she just she makes their face <laughs> TM. To contrast it with like Fern's teammates who are like serial pseudo serial killers. Oh yeah, um, well, one, one of them is a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. The other one is just kind of there. We don't know much about him. Yeah, yet. but like I liked in the latest episode when they were having that fight, and that one girl was like, "Like yeah, I'm like I'm gonna go kill him." And Fern's just like, "Okay,", okay like she just hits point. him with the okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fern did not care about literally yes, any of the spiel that girl was going on about. It was Google so funny to me because fucking great. She's uh, here. Literally, okay. Cut the credit. She's she's here yeah, to like, be the whole problem, and I love it. She's also voiced by Ikami Hasegawa, who is uh, the voice of uh, Arkwade Brinnestud in the Tsukihime remake, and is also the voice of fucking Ikuyokita from Butch in the Rock, so... Nice. That's, uh... That's I did just not know serial this. killer Kita there. Vladelina <laughs> nice. in 86 as well? Yes, also Vladelina Melize from 86. Yeah. Real range there. Yeah, she's we got a very promising career ahead of her. We were talking about pacing earlier, and that's part of what I love about the manga, is that none of these arcs... Like, you you think about an arc like fucking the Namek saga or Cell saga. It's like it's a uh, hundred chapters. But in Freeran, it's like, okay, the the Griffin arc. It's, it's one chapter. Like, any, everything is dealt with so quickly. 
except for this one little exam arc. It's very it's it's hard to like sum up the story in terms of arcs because everything is resolved very quickly. Combat yeah. doesn't is not drawn out. Like they fight something and it's done immediately. Yeah. To spend yeah, more time on the, on the little moments. Yeah, uh, cause that, cause like that's also like how Freeman perceives time. Like months pass by in an instant for her, and like yeah, years just like, feel kind of like days or weeks. Yeah. It's also that's also um, a great part of the storytelling is that like every half episode they will say how much time has passed since Himmel died, and sometimes okay yeah. we we just jumped two months. Okay, great. <laughs> What's happened? What's new? Yeah, it definitely took some getting used to at the start. Yeah, I mean, I remember that one bit where they go to the village and, like, Freeman's like, oh, yeah, I'll stay here for, like, 20 years or something. And then, like, Fern's like, no, we're staying no, for one week. a week most. Fern is always the one who's like, no, we're not staying for that long. I will drag you out of here if I have to. She keeps Freeman grounded. Well, now Freeman is heard. doing it on her own. Like, she's beginning to do it on her own. That we'll stay here for yeah. a month and yeah. people, like, fine with that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, um, I don't think we really need, well, no, I don't think I need to talk about Free Run anymore besides the, besides just, uh, please give the English dub a chance, it's very good, uh, I would argue that the, uh, English voice for Stark, uh, sells him as a character better, I've just enjoyed his performance more, uh, but, yeah, it, it's, it's great casting, great directing, also, again, Great script writing, including yeah. the word "sunny" in that free run line was was an inspired choice. I just uh, like yeah. that it's it's this big epic fairy tale adventure thing, but it's just disguised that in in reality it's just a, a, like one of the cutest little romance stories of all time. <laughs> like I I just love this Stark and Fern thing it's so real <laughs> it feels very episode real. 16 was entirely voided by like fern stark's shippers and you know what good for them <laughs> so fucking good i mean it's just if perfect. you're not watching if you're not watching free run i don't know what like you're doing like it's the show you need you need to watch it for the it's gonna be a classic yeah 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 and then after I just that shout really. out uh, i just want to shout out evan cool for like the music he does like that that stuff oh, is amazing. yeah that yeah all right, yeah, not right. not much else to I say about Freeran. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I... Watch it. Yeah. Speaking I believe of... up next is another one of your shows, Panic. It's, an it's another romance show. It's me and Minus. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm upset that we're the only two watching this. Boku Yaba, which is or like a I get it. Cute little, well, not even high school romance. This is like middle school, right? I think they're, yeah, I think they're in, like, 8th They're supposed yeah, to be 14. Which Known in English no as the dangers in my heart. I swear to God, Anna's tits get bigger every episode. <laughs> I think <laughs> She's yeah. fucking ridiculous. Well, they made a joke about that in, like, the last episode, I think, didn't they? Or, like, their, where, like, her, one of her shirts doesn't fit. Oh, yeah. It's tight. Maybe I, like, dreamt that. She's, she's a growing girl, <laughs> to yeah. be sure. Anna is, Anna is, like, the reason to watch this show. Yeah, she's she's fucking great. Just the but, biggest airhead. Very hungry. Yeah. We love her. She also has like a top tier design, yeah. And her voice actress consistently just knocks it out of the park. Voice actress is great. I also, I mean, I like what is his name? Little shit. I don't. I just call him a gremlin. I f oh my god, Kyo Kyo Taro. Kyo. Oh, Taro. Okay. They call him Kyo. 
That's a I can't say that. That's a shitty name. Uh, serial killer MC. <laughs> School shooter. School shooter protagonist. My guy just to, a little to be clear to everyone listening, uh, he does not actually shoot up the school. He has edgelord no. fantasies of shooting up the school. He in the has first edgelord episode, fantasies, and then he never has people. them again. Right. He's a little misunderstood. He's a good kid. He he tries to make himself more imposing than he actually is. It's all just like tuny fantasies, but it comes off very harshly in the very first episode. But if you can stand that, yeah. then you're in for a cute little romance. Yeah, the first two, episodes. these two like omega dorks, both both of them. <laughs> it's insane. They're so stupid. They share one brain cell. <laughs> yeah, the the first season is kind of like the first start to the first season is a little bit of a tough sell. But once you like get into it, it is one of like the best rom coms I can think of in recent memory. It's just so yeah. like it makes you feel really good. There's not really like a ton of um a ton of like drama or anything it's just like a few no, it's it, a lot of romance rom-coms will rely on misunderstandings and stuff like that yeah and there is some of that in this but they clear it up right away it's yeah it, and it's, it never lingers and causes problems over time there's also a lot of rom-coms will do like the will they won't they not i find myself not really in in this show i just like this, watching this isn't the will two. they won't they this yeah. is when 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 will they and, <laughs> I just like watching them. Like watching them interact, like makes me smile. Right. And um, there's some like really funny jokes in it as well. Like I think in when they were doing martial arts, <laughs> and she had the the, the what, yeah the whatever it's called the robe that she had to borrow from the school, and it like smelled bad. And one of Ichikawa's friends just runs up and goes, "I love you. Love stinky girls too." Like, I love oh shit! You girls. love stinky girls. <laughs> yeah. That guy is great. He's in, he's in love yeah. with the overweight girl from class too. It's like yeah. the bigger the better. <laughs> yeah, he's he, awesome. he yeah. for him. But like, the side characters. The, in the side show cast are great. is honestly pretty great. I love her friend with the cat mouth. Whatever her name. Yeah, is. I love his sister as well. Sister is great. Uh, Anna's parents are great. Mm -hmm. Um. Whenever we get to, we're we're meeting. We saw the mom. There's an episode out now that I haven't seen. I think that's where he meets his dad. Yeah, it ended. The last episode ended with him leaving her apartment and dad. Anna's dad is like was, ten feet tall version of Kyotaro. Just the gay gamer, <laughs> long hair over one eye. He looks like a he looks like a problem. <laughs> He's an imposing man. Yeah, but, but that is, but that explains where Anna got her very tall jeans from. Like mm -hmm. she, she, it, they make a point of her being taller and way more developed than anyone else in her year, and that's why she also works as a model, which is yes. not normal for a fourteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah, and um, what was I going to say? That, like the attention, some of the attention to detail in this show is pretty nuts as well. Like I didn't realize it when I was watching the not the latest episode that came out today, but the one from last week, mm -hmm. until someone pointed it out. But the there's that scene where he's hiding in her room and he like starts to notice that like milk tea bottle on her windowsill and she's like oh don't look at that and i was just kind of like that's seems like a bizarre thing to get like flustered over but then someone pointed out that that's the same milk tea that he gave her in uh... the first season so just like those little oh, like and she has, <laughs> and she like kept it 
like uh, I hope it's empty. Otherwise, it probably smells like shit. But I'm hope um, that she, she just like held on to it because you know she has a little crush on him, and that oh, that she? kind of stuff just like it makes me happy. Oh, do she? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so. it's very very cute. It is one of these cases where like I love the manga, and the manga has a very loosey goosey sketchy style. It's very soft. Like the lines aren't finished, stuff like that. It, it looks very sketchy and somehow seeing it done in anime where obviously they have to fully draw the line around their face otherwise they have nothing to fill in with color <laughs> like they have to kind of finish the drawings which makes it look like i don't know it, it 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 irks my eye in some scenes but it does look very good i think season two is doing a lot better like just look like looking better it feels like a better flow like it it's, yeah i agree it, it it starts off a lot feeling a lot more solid than season one especially because season one had the whole fiasco of like the promotional pictures had her like standing there with a cropped skirt like they didn't finish the artwork no. <laughs> they, they did like t-shirt t-shirt pictures where parts of her were missing <laughs> It, it 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 was not a great look right off the bat, but I think season two is doing a lot better job. Yeah, season two has been fantastic so far. Definitely, definitely recommend if you like Ramco. Big recommend. It's very cute. They're all just they're all just good kids. To be fair, with this show, it was just unfortunate that like the first season aired where like a billion other romance aired, so that's why I didn't pick it up. But I'll probably give it a shot now. What else aired? Was that when... It was Skip and Loafer and Yamada. Yeah, there was also um, Insomniacs After School, which is the one I tried, so... Okay. That was a good season. Damn. Rom-com. I just can't get into the art style. Uh... Of this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, makes sense. It's different. Mm. Speaking of different, being built different... And swag being too different. Uh, it's Mashal. <laughs> His, it's back. <laughs> this is a show that I dropped after some time. I liked the premise of this, like, the one guy with no magic going to Hogwarts and just being so strong that magic doesn't matter. But I could not stand the return, the over-reliance and return to the fucking cream puff gag. It makes me so angry. It's not funny. Jesus Christ. Say, though, at the very least, like later in the show and like in season two, there's not much like cream puff like gag at the minute. Like it's mainly other stuff. So oh, it was that, the first season, like every single scene punchline was cream puff. And he's just standing the there dead faced, staring into nothing, chewing on a cream puff. And it's like I, I I get that it's it's a stupid like shonen thing that you have to have a gag of some kind, but please <laughs> some restraint, <laughs> Jesus. So, how is season two? <laughs> I'd say season two is pretty good. So, I'd, is anyone else watching season I'm, two? I'm watching this. Maybe okay, I, cool. Maybe I did finish season one. I think I did finish it. I'm not watching this one. Okay, so um, with season two, what I really like so far is that um, like the things that they set up at the end of season one, they're not taking like a billion years to get to it. Like they are very much 
going like off the payoffs of the first season into like a lot of plot stuff and development for the second season. So if you enjoyed that aspect near the end where you wanted to figure out more, then yeah, season two seems worthwhile at the minute. Uh, I would say that like visually the show looks pretty good. There's been like a big fight scene in the latest episode and that was pretty cool. So, so far I'd say season two is like better than season one, honestly, because I think the comedy feels a bit more varied. I would say that the plot is like moving much faster. So even, and even if, even though the plot is moving faster, it doesn't like lack the like chemistry between the mains and like them hanging out and stuff. So if you enjoyed that aspect, you're not like missing that either. Yeah. The, okay. Like you said, it picks up right off like the, I forget what they're called, but like the, the group of people that season one builds up to like come in and they're like, we're going to beat your ass because like it's the word is out that MASH can't use magic. Like he's been faking oh, it, it all along. Was that like and, told to everybody? Uh, they like pull him into the the principal's office and are like, "You can't use magic, can you?" Sort of thing. Dumbledore. Something like that. Something along those lines. Right. But they show up and they're like, "We're going to beat you up." And then they go to this. They go out into town and they go to like totally not all Evanders to get <laughs> new wands. Nice. And. That was like the crux of the second episode where there's this wand that's like been like stuck in the ground that the lore of thousand years past say that like the wand is keeping um like a whole sea of water from bursting out and drowning everything but no one's been strong enough to pick the ma magic wand up and well, you, can kind of see where, you can kind of see where this is going. So oh, this whole thing everyone gets, lifts it. Yeah, everyone gets wands. There's, like, a, a cool thing with, like, the like the wand chooses you. So, like, each person gets, like, a wand that's suited to their personality. And Mash just, like, walks over and picks up that wand and floods floods Ollivanders and assumingly nice. Diagon Alley. Yeah, it kind of weirdly, like, weirdly reminded me of, like, the Z-Sword gag in, like, the Boo Saga of Dragon Ball, where, like, Gohan is, like, pulling out the sword, and it's just, like, and he just, like, destroys the flipping mountain the entire time to just pull it out. Yeah. Season 2, it's, like, the same kind of silliness as Season 1, but, yeah, the humor is not just everything comes back to a cream puff. Yeah, the, yeah. the humor is more varied, and, like, the plot is actually moving forward quite uh, a bit, yeah. so... And the opening is really, really good. Oh yeah, that, that's definitely worth that. mentioning. Creepy nuts kind of popped off, and the opening is, like, the song is pretty good, and like the animation that goes with it is very artsy. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, oh, go ahead. Speaking of openings, I wanted to shout out Metallic Rouge for having the most SNES video game character select screen OP of all time. That music goes hard. Yeah, that was a good uh, opening. It's so groovy. Yeah, this, it's a pretty good opening, yeah. This is also one of my, like, favorite openings this season. Also, I wanted to mention that Mashal just, like, this season has, like, a random, like, ED about cars, like, in Tokyo. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but... Yeah, season one was all about cream puffs, and now we're... Yeah, they just drive. Even yeah, the like, ED of season one was just full cream puff. Yeah. yeah. But, like, the different, like, the different members of the cast have, like, their own, like, cool car that they drive yes. in the... <laughs> So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, if if you like season one of Mashal, definitely watch the second season. I might try it. Something I won't try, 
ever again. It's undead unluck. <laughs> Am I the only person this still watching all, it? This is all you. Right, okay, I think I'm the only one watching it right still. Yep. Yep. Okay. So with Undead Unluck, um, I can see why people wouldn't like this because like, there's a lot of different aspects that are kind of out there and weird about it. Like the protagonist, um, like Andy or like or Undead, which is basically what the gimmick is. Like everyone has like a U themed power, with which like Andy's is Undead, so he can't die. Uh, Fuko, who's like the girl, um, the main girl, she has Unluck, so every time someone touches a like something really unlucky happens to them, usually yep. resulting in like death or something. So obviously the combination here is that her power could potentially lead to Andy being allowed to die finally because he's like undead. So he thinks that her power of unluck can like somehow eventually result in him like overpowering his power so he doesn't actually die. So that's kind of why they combine together at the start of the show. Um, and then, like, throughout, it kind of develops where you meet, like, a bunch of other characters with, like, different abilities, and they join, like, a round table of uh, those with the powers and, like, work on missions and stuff. They join uh, a union. Throughout the world. Yeah, they basically join, like, a union thing. And um, what I was going to say is, with this show, like, it's got that very much, like, David production feel, as you can tell, like, from it's made by them. So if you like stuff like Fire Force, it probably has like that kind of vibe similarly. Uh, you might like enjoy this as well. So I would say give it a shot if you yeah. like David production style I, of doing like I action did shows. enjoy Fire Force. And also they also made Cells at Work, right? That's also good. Yes. Yeah, they did but do that, yeah. Something about like the way I think my main problem is Andy. The, his stupid grin and like his Neanderthal brow <laughs> at all times, the way he carries himself, the way he's naked all the time, everything about him is the least funny thing I've ever seen, and I just hate him. He, he grinds. Yeah, he's one of he them. Grinds my gears. Something awful. Like he's one of them like shown in characters where you either absolutely love their energy because like they're very like out there and loud and yeah. you know doing a lot at all times on screen or you find like, them really like annoying dante from devil may cry but like unbearable <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like dante dante knows of. he's being a cringe and an asshole <laughs> to be fair at least with andy he's not like that much of an asshole like i would say he's generally nice to like Fuka i like the and, like, part where characters. he married the zombie lady that was cute yeah was see fun. like he does have like a nice side to him so i wouldn't say like he's that insufferable from like a from my perspective um but if you do find that like loud kind of annoying guy who's trying to act like charismatic and doing a lot at all times then you might find him kind of off-putting but i think generally their dynamic is done well enough where i don't have a problem with it their dynamic is pretty cute like she's great she's fuka is <sighs> i'm so sad they cut her hair she was way cuter with the long hair yeah, I prefer the long I hair. I usually as well. like short haircuts <laughs> on anime girls, but hers is just awful. <laughs> she looks like you know, wet hedgehog or something. It's bad. But yeah. But yeah, with this show, um, if you think that like the slower parts were like too slow at the early stages, like with like them finding the different people and like doing the different things there, like if basically if you didn't like the zombie oh. portion. 
I can see why you might not like the entire show because it does kind of feel like where a lot of out of nowhere, out of nowhere have, settings happen. They have the worst character design of all time. The fucking Meliodas oh, ass. Are you talking about? Guy. Are you talking about Shen? Like the blue head Probably. God, he looks so bad. <laughs> yeah, the designs are definitely a bit out there. Like I won't lie, uh, I don't it's like, like every baby design, face but... on a huge body. He just looks like Meliodas, but like on steroids. Yeah. Um, he at least when he does like do stuff, even if his design isn't the best, he does like do some cool stuff. Like especially in the like zombie arc in the conclusion of that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, with the like with this show, like I feel like stuff kind of happens out of nowhere sometimes. So like in a recent-ish like episode, I would say like I think it was like episode nine or ten. Um, they have like this part where they literally face face off like against like aliens. That like never return because yeah. they get their ass beat. That is bad. another aspect of it that I didn't enjoy. A lot of the gags or things that happen feel a, li- a lot like lol, so random. <laughs> just out of nowhere. Isn't it funny that this just happened? No, actually. <laughs> it was Yeah, because like the show is trying to do a balance of like having like shown in battle shown in lore with like mm. the different characters and abilities and like what their goals are while also trying to do like the craziest gag possible so something will just happen like they'll be in space and i'll be like wait did i miss an episode like is is this normal like i don't like sometimes it's hard to piece together where the show is trying to do also makes no sense to me how he is flying by propelling himself with blood like the force of blood to do that would have to be astronomical (laughs) yeah i mean the guy is like very much overpowered like he's not no sense He's not the kind of character where you're like, oh yeah, he'll have normal restraints on him. I'm sure this will work it's like out. His, his power normal. is that he regenerates, but he can also just like shoot off the tip of his finger. It's like that's not related to regenerating at all. Like you, your power isn't to detach body parts. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of feels like he's like Back lived though. for so long and tried to kill himself in so many different ways that he's just learned how to use his yeah. like. He found Body out that in the if he weirdest cuts way. Off his feet, he can become a rocket. Yeah, basically, that's what that's yeah. generally how I interpreted it. Yeah, I mean, I just I find Andy grating to no end. I don't think I could ever love a man like Andy. <laughs> I mean, I understand now, why. Now Aoi Yuki, though, her character, like the the little shitter from season one. What was her name? Wait, which one? The the one with all the makeup. Who makes like a shield barrier? That's her power. Oh, remember? Oh wait, you mean uh, Gina, the pink head one? That sounds right. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, the big mushroom hat. The hat yeah, was yeah. stupid, but she was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that was fight like, was awesome. I, I watched the show with my friend, and he just couldn't get over how silly her hat looked. The so hat makes no sense. Like it doesn't even do anything with her power. She just wears this massive hat for no reason. Yeah. That, those two episodes where she was in were pretty good. I really good. liked the like fight those. choreography in that. Yeah. So yeah, with this show, it's kind of like a mixed bag of like some strange comedy and like, but really cool fight action like sequences. So I would say give it a shot, and then if you're if you don't vibe with the humor, then you it probably isn't for you because it kind of stays that way. But if you're okay with like the random craziness and like showing an aspect of it. Then it's definitely like worth trying because like it's a David production show, so it looks right. great. So no I would say I've said, and more power to him. I mean, yeah, I can see, like I'm I'm definitely on the more positive side, which is why I'm still watching it. But 
I can see why someone would dislike it, but I could also see why someone would love this show. So right. I would say if you like Battle Shonen and you just want another day reproduction show, then definitely try it. All right. Quickly, if we if we hurry up in six minutes, then we won't be <laughs> over three hours, okay? <laughs> quickly, somebody Speed tell run. me about Shangri-La Frontier season something. Oh, I love Shangri-La Frontier. This show, to me... It, it kind of is in that same vein as, like, Bofuri, where it's mostly low stakes. It's just, like, it perfectly encapsulates that feeling of, like, messing around and playing video games with And, uh, like, just, like, whoever writes this clearly knows how an MMO works. Like, it's a very competently written show. Yeah, and I would agree like, Is it set in a video game? Yeah, so the whole premise is... I know nothing is... about it. Our main character, uh, his his in-game name is Son. He is a kusuge, which means he like goes out of his way to play really bad video games. Yeah, so like right. the really bad video games are like the term for it in Japan is like kusuge. So he loves completing kusuge, and yeah, it's like really good at that. Certainly short for yeah. shit game kusuge. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's and... literally just shit game. <laughs> he like is at the game store and. This new game has come out, touted as like the the god game to end all great games, called Shangri-La Frontier, and it's like a VR MMO. And he hops in, makes his character, and is just this like new dude with shorts and a bird head, and proceeds to just grind and grind and grind. Just basically just playing through the game. He comes across like a a hidden quest where he gets like teleported to this like bunny this world of rabbits and he meets Emil who's like a a partner with him and apparently like since it's new people don't know about it so it like caught the attention of like the different people like people on like the forums were asking like where from the furries got a hold of it and were like there was the whole thing where she was like trying to learn more about the um like the the monsters in the world and yeah right now he's they're like preparing to go and fight this like world boss type thing that's supposed to be really really difficult and i'm just it's just very fun to watch like you can tell that the people that are making it are having a ton of fun making it it looks really good the action the action scenes are really um the voice actors are having a ton of fun and we learned that sunraku and emil their voice actors are married IRL now, which is kind of cute. So it makes all their scenes really cute. And every once in a while, like he'll, every once in a while, he'll go out of Shangri-La Frontier and like into one of his his like his really bad games. And there's one that he's been like training in is this fighting game that the it's like a gentleman's rule that when you're fighting someone, you can just like abuse all the in the game. Hmm. And he's been like training up this one character, which has been pretty wholesome. Just yeah, like a side gig. The thing I kind of love about this show is that it doesn't try to be like a you die in the game, you die. Horrible. Like it's very much like one of those things where oh, nice. it's low stakes. It like and it uses that to its advantage. So you see like him in real life sometimes as well, like outside of the game, and then you'll see him like talk to like different people in in the real world about like the game, and you'll have like sections where he plays some completely different game. With like the people with the cast of characters you know so like there's like these two other characters right now um that he's working with that you see him like interact in other games so that makes it really interesting to me because 
you get to actually see why they have like such a natural dynamic and it's because he's known them from like different games uh like he's played before so it feels a lot less forced than him just being in the game meeting someone random and then being like best friends with them straight away yeah it's very fun and there's also um his classmate who has like a she's really down bad for him and she, i think she's the one that got him originally into the game or she was the one that like mentioned it to him or something but she plays this like really really strong tank just full armored person and it's really funny because like in real life she's really just like meek and like just a mess when she's around him but in game like he's afraid of her her character which is really Really yeah, funny, like, like she, she has some like very slow progress with him. Like she managed to get him to like accept a friend request, which was yes. pretty funny. Um, the thing with that though is like basically they have like this like meetup spot where like at the game store where like this um where the person who runs the store like like tells him about the game as well, and it, she she basically is trying to help um the girl in his class like get close to get closer to him through the game basically, and um like. The thing that's funny to me is that the game store itself is like very much got like real life games in it. Like you can literally see a like Super Mario 3D world in the background, <laughs> vaguely. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, the, the, generally the cast of this game is like pretty like, or the cast of this anime is like pretty small. Generally, like the reoccurring characters you generally see throughout uh, the episodes are like returning and there's like three or four of them they kind of follow um emil herself is an npc so she's different to like most of the other prominent cast members where she can actually die if she dies in the game so she would like permanently be gone um but the other characters would just respawn so that's like an important distinction they make that if he brings on emil in this like latest fight against the boss like he's actually risking her from being completely wiped from the game Overall, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. I, I look forward every time an episode comes out on Sundays. Nice. So, yeah. I recommend. It, yeah, I recommend it. Basically, if you're, like, kind of scared, it might just feel like a, like, I don't know, like, normal power fantasy nonsense, like, VMRM, Isekai, like, kind of thing. If you don't like that kind of thing, I'd say don't worry, because, like, this feels quite different. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be too serious or like try to like feel like an SEO clone. It does its own thing and it does it well. So if you like action and you just want to see like basically the vibe, I would say this game kind of uh, this anime kind of gives off is like watching like someone do a walkthrough or like a playthrough of a game. Like it's kind of like following that and it's just fun. It's like it's not hugely staked. It's not like super intense, but it has great fight scenes and like you can enjoy it for just that. Yep. Nice. I think you've sold it pretty well. I'm interested. I wanted to quickly note, because um, you're talking about how two of the voice actors in this are married made me re remember the fact that um, fucking uh, Aura and Aaron Yeager's Japanese voice actors are married and both their characters got decapitated in the same week. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Rina Hidaka and Yuma Uchida are married, which makes the Emo, like the scenes between Sonako and Emo, that much like more wholesome. And then there's like also that gag I remember where like Emo gets like a sort of human form, like anthropomorphic form, and like 
some rocker was just like, what the hell did I sign up for? Like, some <laughs> yeah. game. Like, what the hell just happened here? And it's pretty funny to me because, like, Emil can only, like, keep that form for, like, five minutes. So when they're trying to escape from people trying to find the quest that leads to her, she has to, like, stay in that form for as long as possible. All right. All right. Is it time to move on to the last show? Yes, it is time. Yeah, it's yes. time. Apothecary Diaries. It's pretty good. It is a very good show. Text ed bottom text. Yeah, like really? I feel like this show would get talked about a lot more if Freerun didn't air the same. I agree. Season. Yeah, probably. I find it funny that for some reason this little gremlin is being employed by professional royal prostitutes to teach them about sex. Well, here's the thing. No, no. Here's the thing. Like. They're not actually, like, prostitutes in the sense of... They may not have been sent to the rear palace with any prior sexual experience. No. Like, the entire point is to just get there, hopefully, like, look good enough for the Emperor to notice you and for him to bang you. So, like, they don't actually know... It's not, like, necessarily guaranteed that they know anything about sex. Um, they mentioned this in the novel, but... Um, at the very beginning of the story, uh, Consort Gyokyo is, like, barely 20. Right. So, it actually does make sense that, uh, you know, they wouldn't know anything about, like, sex. I just find it very funny that uh, the fucking, pi the implied Paizuri gag yes. from episode 4 is paid off later when two consorts recommend Mao Mao as the sex ed teacher. One of them because she believes it would be a good idea, and the other one because she thought it would be funny. Right. Yeah, one of them is just a huge troll. I love her. She has a great energy she brings to the table. It just I mean, seems weird that Mao Mao has to be the one to tell the big-chested lady, how about <laughs> try using those? Like, this never occur to her? This is Imperial China. You think they teach women there? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, 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 maybe the, that's, that's maybe the Emperor would be like, like, hey, how about how about those? I mean, again, I, I'm i not sure if, Also, like, this isn't China. Like, it's made-up country that isn't China. <laughs> it's yeah, China isn't with it the serial numbers filed off. Right. <laughs> It's, it's China at home. <laughs> yeah, we got China at home. Uh, um, it's basically just been... Uh, well, okay, I can't say it's more of the same because the dynamic is a little different now that Mama she got fired. is directly working for uh, Jinchi. Um, it's still got the exact same energy, though, which yeah. I think is just great. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like, uh, I like their dynamic, but I... I I can't figure out if the show is trying to set them up as like a romantic. Yeah, movie. that's like my main gripe. I don't. With like it. It's like I don't. I don't <laughs> see them together. No, not at all. And I, I don't think like they, that. And like they keep that trying to make it a thing that he's like, and he's like, she's the one girl who can make him blush or whatever, but she does not seem interested in him at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't. To me, it just it. to me. Oh, like a gag, like that they kept on going. I don't yeah. know if it's like, like she, serious, he but... kept trying to risk her up, and she would like visibly like shake and feel gross about it. 
but recent episodes, I feel like she's starting to respond to it, and I'm, I don't like it. Yeah. All <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Because I'm just for a bit of context, I'm not completely caught up. Like this is the one I'm most behind on. Yeah. Not because I'm not enjoying it. It's just because like I happen to like group watch like most of the other ones, so I like uh, keep up with some of the other ones a bit better. But yeah, uh, yeah. So from what I have watched, I'm like I think I'm like about six or seven eps yeah. behind. It's I still keep... very good. I keep waiting for the show I... to reveal that he's not actually a eunuch or something. <laughs> well, they did allude to that in the last episode, I think. That he isn't? That he might not be, yeah. Um, uh... hmm. Yeah, um... As a source reader, I'm just gonna say that their relationship does get better explored later on. Um, nice. At the present, we're still mostly here for, uh, as, like... You know, Malmo, the uh, detective who really just Excuse wants to be a you. drug gremlin her instead of a is, detective. Her name is Xiao Mao. <laughs> that's she a got fucking a new Chinese name. nickname. She got no. That's been Gaoshuan's nickname for her since like episode two. You just haven't oh. been paying attention. No. So she gets called Xiao Mao by someone at the palace, and she's like, "The fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> Gaoshuan called her that in episode two. Who? It's been a lot like, more. This is not a new episode, nickname. Though. Who called They've her They've been that? using it a lot more. Uh, Jinji's assistant. Oh, yeah, the, the guy that yeah. actually finds what Jinji does, like, kind of weird. Huh. Yeah. yeah um, they just have been using it a lot. She had, like, a reaction to it, like, the fuck? So I thought she got hired with a new name, because no one was allowed to know it was her. No, uh, they just call her that as, like, a cute little nickname. Uh, okay. it's, it's kind of common in, uh, China for, like, people to attach Xiao to the beginning of your name if you're younger than them and they want to refer to you with, like, an affectionate nickname. So that's the Chinese uh, In the very... What? It's like saying Chin. It, it literally is, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, uh, all the way back in the very first episode, um... Uh, Gyokyo calls her child, whose name is Lingli, uh, she calls her Xiaoming, uh, which is another example of this. That's just like an... I always just thought that was like a normal name. You hear it a lot. There are Xiao. definitely people who have the character, like, Xiao in their names, but, uh, yeah. in this context it's just... It, it's, it's like the Chinese equivalent of Chen, or more... Right. If we're doing, like, historically, Chen is more like the japanese equivalent of this but yeah a uh, good show good very show. very very satisfied that they showed the sequence of of like lishu like the 14 year old girl collapsing and her soul flies out of her mouth the soul re-enters her like, body what, what and then it Mao flies Mao out again and then she collapses again jesus what did they... <laughs> what's in the curriculum for this lesson uh I mean, it's probably just because, you know, she's 14. And she doesn't know anything. <laughs> she's even less educated yeah. than Fern and Stark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, except her situation sucked even more because her the previous emperor was a pedophile. Yes. Yeah, that's well, yeah. She, wild. she hasn't had sex, right? Didn't they say that? No, she's fourteen. She was never she was never raped by the uh previous emperor. Uh she he, the previous emperor died before he could get his hands on Li Shu. Right. Uh, then she came back to the rear palace for... I don't actually remember why. It's just... I don't know. Yeah, just you you inherit the, like, uh... the concubines of... <laughs> well, no. Like The thing is, it's explicitly noted during the uh, Feng Ming arc, the one with, at the, the Ark of the Garnet Pavilion, that like, Li Shu got sent away after the previous emperor's death. 
But then, uh, for some reason, she came back. It's a waste of a perfectly good add... concubine. Hey, yo. <laughs> uh, that... By the way, the fact that the previous emperor was a pedophile has led to the um, hilariously depressing question of how much of the emperor's taste in, like, more voluptuous adult-looking women is him being horny, and how much of it is a conscious political move to distinguish himself from his pedophile father. <laughs> yeah, true. He's got uh, a little, he's got a little bit from every <laughs> from every column. Yeah. I mean, like he's like the what the way they talk about the emperor. I'm mm -hmm. like ninety. Per, I'm like confident. It's like ninety percent. He's just really horny. Which the one who got sent fair, away, who is uh, like the the handsome whatever, the very androgynous, the super uh, yeah, cool Abla. one. Yeah, she was so hot. Yeah, her name was. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the Emperor would agree, because remember, uh, he had a kid with her when they were, like, 15 and 16, respectively. Yeah. Meanwhile, he also had a yeah. kid with another more important one. No, wait, that was the actual Emperor. He was not Emperor yet, right? He was yeah, no, the, the situation was that, um, Oswald was giving birth to the, uh, current Emperor's son, but then, uh, the, uh, the Empress back emperor. then, the person that's referred to today as the Empress Dowager, was having the crown prince, uh, so yes. uh, she needed to. Um, no, no, no. She wasn't having the crown prince. She was just having another baby. So the uh, palace prioritized the empress dowager's health over uh, Adwa's health. Yes. And then we find out at the end of the episode that Jinsi is fucking is the emperor and Adwa's kid. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, it makes sense. He's so pretty. He had the prettiest mom, of all the, of all the concubines in the show. She was definitely the prettiest. And cool. She was just all laid back. She was pretty cool. She just she had a good vibe, you know. It's a good show. It is a really good show. I remember being surprised when we found out that the place she was kidnapped from was just it's just like next door <laughs> it's, 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 it's a the, uh, day's travel or, away uh, <laughs> I thought she uh, was like stolen and sold to another country or something no it's just, <laughs> it's, that was it's just like, her grandfather was so like nonchalant about it down the road I mean, no one that's why no <laughs> yeah. one gave a shit <laughs> like the most recent episode I've managed to watch of this was literally her with her like um uh, like father or something and it's like kind of funny that she's like with her family like after being kidnapped and just right. casually back with them now. <laughs> kidnapped, sold off to yeah, the royal palace. Is like, I w I'd like to go visit home. I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> okay, great. I love, I love this. I love the scene where she like blackmails like Lyaku into letting her leave. Where it's like, look, I got. I'm gonna. I can give you one night of like the best sex you've ever had, but if you don't believe me, I'm just gonna go. <laughs> right. And fucking yeah. Jinji's reaction to not being the one she chose for the for the visit. Oh uh, yeah, that is literally just the episode I finished watching. Yeah, that's great. I love his. I he love his fucking expression. <laughs> you did he what? Just, <laughs> his brain shuts down, <laughs> and then like you see Gaosu and Hongyang and uh, Kyokyo outside just like laughing. Laughing. Like, like Kyokyo is just laughing her ass off. I fucking love her. She has the best energy. Yeah. Such yeah. a troll. Um, 
Yeah, before we go, I would once again like to uh, shield the English dub. Uh, I think I tried I tried to do that earlier, but then my internet shat itself, so I'm sorry if oh. people on stream heard me talking over you. Um, well, you say so, uh, before... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. No, sorry, what? No, I was just going to say, before we go, I did have one last slot on the thing. Uh, free space. Honorable mentions. Oh. <laughs> Stuff okay. you're watching that we um, didn't mention, you'd like to pitch real quick. I can let you all go uh, first. Uh, do you mind if I just quickly... Uh, I'll use my free space to just talk about the English dub for Apothecary Diaries then. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, uh, so the uh, voice of Momo in English is Emmy Lowell, who was also the English voice of Lucy from Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is probably how you'll recognize them. Uh, they're great. Uh, they... Uh, I think the tough thing about Mamo is that she has so many different, like, ranges of expression uh, that she can have, from, you know, the drug gremlin episodes, to being somber, to being, like, deadpan and snarky. Uh, Emmy does all of that very well. Mm -hmm. they, hit the, they hit the dry stuff, they hit the goofy stuff. It's all very good. Um, and meanwhile, in... Uh, in English, uh, Jinchi is voiced by uh, Mr. Manhor himself, Kaiji Tang, who is also the English voice of Satoru Gojo. Ooh. And if you've seen English dubs, dub clips of Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, you, you know what I mean when I say he's Manhor extraordinaire. <laughs> that's just, that's his niche. It's really funny, because, like, I first encountered him as Archer from Unlimited Blade Works. He, for a while there, his niche was just gruff dudes. And, right. like, he's also the English voice of Ichiban Kasuga. But, like, specifically within, like, the last year, he's just been voicing pretty men. Turns out a lot of gruff dudes are a deep-down man-horse. <laughs> There's a big overlap. Archer would be so disappointed in the other characters. Right. Well, I know Minus is watching a bunch of... Stuff that no one else. Uh, I was gonna let everyone else go first before I just speed run. Okay, C five. Do you have anything? Uh, the only things that like it kind of just happened to work out that most of the shows I'm watching the season we did actually talk about, but the yeah, two same. things that weren't mentioned were Kingdom season five and Urusei Yatsura season two. And I would say that if you enjoyed the previous seasons, they're still just as good as like those. Um, Kingdom has a season like Kingdom's most recent season is like an arc that seems to focus on one of my favorite characters so that's a win and then urusei yatsura it still has like the great production of the first season and if you like the like chemistry between the characters and like the ensemble cast and the gags then you're going to enjoy season two as well it's been good so far sick well i also don't have anything to pitch we talked about all the stuff i watched all right <laughs> so I, i'll speed through like my four things yeah, I'll just go in order of, like, my least favorite to my favorite, so we'll end on a good note. Right. So, I guess I'll start off with bottom-tier character Tomazaki. Season 2. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the first season, despite all of its gamer cringe. I thought that the side characters were a lot of fun. They are hardly in the second season so far. We have gotten some... We're in, like, a bullying arc right now, and it's just, like, really really just zeroed in on this like high school drama which i don't know if i'm just like old and i'm about like old and tired of it or i don't i don't know that's but, probably it yeah but, <laughs> but it's like the extent of the ex i'm gonna sound like a like an asshole here but like 
the ex- <laughs> she's not. I don't want to say she's not like the bullying isn't like as effective as it could be, but like all she's really doing <laughs> is just like kicking one girl's desk that her, like really pencils better. and stuff fall off, <laughs> and like then like talking shit about her behind her back. So I'm not like it's not the most like interesting bullying, which I don't. That makes me sound like a terrible person. That's um, what this week shit. Really looked at fucking but, chronic like, bullying and was like, "Wow, I could do up this game." <laughs> but like, it's it's not good because the the girl that's being bullied is like there. No one in the class is doing anything about it. They're all just kind of standing and watching, and then like behind their back because Tomazaki's like Herman now, and. Everyone's like behind in like private. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm with you." Like everything like that, but like we just can't ruin like the vibe of class. Right. So this whole thing about like we can't step in and help you because like then the the class mood will be all and it's it's just not good. It just makes me mad because like there's no no adults doing anything. They'll just stand around. the The bully girl's big toe's got to be killing her because oh, she's kicked uh, it's the just like a lot real. Of time. It's just like real yeah. school. Then the adults like, don't I, do I, I would, shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I. Like I just bolt the desk thing to is the that, like, I don't know. Yeah, the, the unfortunate thing is that that seems to be unfortunately like accurate to yeah. how Japanese schools are, which fucking sucks. Yeah, I'm I'm sure, and like I like I said, it probably makes me seem like a, a big like idiot or big like I don't know an asshole, but that it's just not not very good. It sounds no like a it sounds like a plot point from like Classroom of the Elite. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, it's like I would just bolt her desk to the ground. I don't know. But, um, I don't know, I kind of, like, there's not been much gamer cringe, which I can't believe I'm saying this, but I kind of miss it. Like, it made the show kind <laughs> of endearing. And, like, the, the main, the, like, three side girls from the first season haven't really done much. And they, they're what I remember enjoying the most about it. So, that's been kind of disappointing. Um, next up, uh, the, the Demon Prince of Momochi House is basically just we have commies on the kiss at home um it starts off with the main girl's parents who have died and for her 16th birthday i guess in their will they left her a house Damn. it's a pretty sweet birthday gift and this yeah. house is like in the middle of the mountains in the middle of the woods and she goes there and there are three dudes freeloading basically like basically yeah they're just there squatters and... rights <laughs> yeah she's like why are you guys in my in my in my house because i have the deed to it now and they're like um the main character owie and the other two guys that they're with that he's with are uh ayakashi so they're like spirits hmm. and um it turns out that owie has some like contract with the house like he can't leave the premises and they get attacked by monsters because the monsters want the blood of the Momochi family, and so they try to get the main girl. And so, like, it tur- the main character, Owie, has to turn into this, um, like, silver fox named Nue, and he's, it's all, it's very shoujo. Oh, you can't look at me, like, I'm ugly. And all that, but he's not. <laughs> I'm and disgusting. He, has, he turns into he's like, yeah, I'm ugly, and then like turns into this like really. And his character design is really bizarre because he has like peacock tail things going off of him, but only like five that are CGI, which wouldn't be noticeable if the frame rate wasn't completely different than like what? the animated fight scenes. 
yeah that sounds like a mistake <laughs> Why yeah they and that? also like the the whole show is very like basic colors very basic art but the pattern on Aoi's robe like gives me a headache it's like they took like a gustav klimt painting and just like slapped it on his robe and it looks so just bizarre compared to the rest of it okay. um yeah in the latest episode she started going to school again and she brings some friends home and she's like i probably shouldn't let them know like on my first day of school that like i'm living with three three attractive boys and so they, they like start cross-dressing and they pull her into one room and they're acting as her sisters and they're like one of them is a ghost and you need to figure out who it is before like they kill you and so there it was like it was a nice episode honestly about like the ghost girl just like wanted a group of friends because she didn't get any when she and overall like the show i find enjoyment in some parts of it i'm not going to pretend like it's a good show but um if you are really down bad for like a shoujo romance and you've already seen kamisamikas i don't know why you're watching this because signs of affection does shoujo romance way better and it airs the next day so I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it, but I find enjoyment in it. So um, down bad for a shoujo romance. Yeah. Don't watch this. Watch Signs of Affection. Watch Signs of Affection, because it airs literally 24 hours after. Um, what was the next one? Oh, Mr. Villain's Day Off is kind of like... It reminds me of Love After World Domination. Ooh. Minus, yeah. the, romance, minus the romance angle. So the our main character, Mr. Villain, Mr. The head of this, <laughs> yeah, is the head of this evil corporation. And my favorite part about it is that, like... The corporation is like just your typical it it's treated as just like his day job but he gets a day off and he really really likes pandas so on his day off he nice. takes his annual pass to the zoo and goes and watches the pandas and anytime that the panda does anything remotely cute he just like you just hear the shuddering of his phone going like a, million, <laughs> a million miles per hour nice. and like it's <laughs> like the he makes a comment that like the only reason that like we have to take it slow, wiping humanity off the face of the planet because we can't kill the pandas. Like, we can't kill cute animals. Like, that's where we draw the line. Oh, man, and he's intercepted. <laughs> There's also, like, the, the Power Rangers that come to defeat the... Of course. The villains, and the Red Ranger sees him at the zoo and is like, you're the head of the evil corporation. Like, we have to fight now. Like, it's my day off. Like, fuck off. I'm not on the clock. Which is... I'm sorry, pretty... but... It's pretty funny. It's all just a job. I'm sorry, but when you mentioned the, like, we can't wipe up humanity too quickly, we'll kill the cute animals in the process, it just reminds me of that one meme where it's like, I can excuse genocide, but I draw the line of killing the cute <laughs> animals. And then yeah. it's like, you can excuse genocide? Yeah. It reminds then... me of a, like, that, I don't know if anyone watched this show, but in, like, spring, like, last year, there was, like, a show called, like, Too Cute Crisis, or, like, Kawasugi Crisis. And it was, like, basically about an alien girl who, like, was gonna like they're gonna wipe earth or something and then she finds cats and then she loves cats and then basically nice. wants to stay on earth for that yeah it's it's basically that um in the second episode he gets a work kohai who basically is one of the, the trope of like fresh out of college and the work just wants to, wants to make a good impression so he oh, kind yeah. of like just like takes notes of everything that his boss the mr villain does love that trope. and like to a t and so he get Mr. Villain gets a day off again. He's firmly planted in front of the pandas at the zoo, as he does. And he's wondering what color a panda's tail is, because this is the question that 
is keeping him up at night. And so it's just like this montage of the panda, like doing everything, but showing him like what color, like showing him the tail. And you see like, it's just him and this little kid there like all day waiting for the panda and eventually see that the panda's tail is white. And then he goes and like go around the rest of the there's a petting zoo that he gets sucked into and he goes and pets the bunnies and the kid is also there and they show this like really, really sweet moment of like the kid's like i want to be a veteran mr villain's just like you know good on you like go follow your dreams like i believe in you and it was really sweet it's really sweet and then cut back to work and the kohai's like taking notes i'm like he's just sitting at his desk menacingly and the guy's like oh, i bet he's deciding on like what ultimate weapon we should use to wipe out humanity and they cut to his thoughts and it's like how are we going to get like a cute bunny exhibit into the office because that would be great for like eliminating stress in the workplace and that's the punchline of that and it's just really like comfy really funny and it, like i said it's like world F, love after world domination minus the the romance but coming from the angle of the villains being the main characters nice and lastly, we have Cherry Magic, which, um, so they say that if you reach uh, 30 years old and haven't had sex yet, then you become a wizard, and that's what happens to our main character, Adachi, who turns 30 and gets the powers to read people's minds. So anyone that he touches, he can read their minds, which he, at the start, he is like, it's a really terrible power because on like crowded trains and stuff. People are bumping into you all the time, so you just cures the constant stream of thoughts, which I assume would be pretty annoying. But then at work, he accidentally bumps into his attractive boss, Kurosawa, and hears that Kurosawa is just, like, in full gay panic mode for Adachi. And he's and it completely contrasts his, like, cool put together exterior of like just business 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 just being like oh my god like how cute blushing right like i i want to like embrace him just like make sure he's feeling good and we are pretty starved for good bl it bl has a a history of not being the most consensual mm -hmm. um genre out there but this show like right off the bat does a pretty good job of like setting boundaries. I think in the first episode he get Adachi, this is his train, has to spend the night at Kurosawa's apartment. And Kurosawa like comes out after he's Adachi is pretending to be asleep and like is like trying to like, like you see him kind of reach over him and I'm please don't and then he just like you just see him like reaching over because his phone was like on the table. And he couldn't get to it without, yeah. Gotcha. So, <laughs> Got your nose. Yeah. So that was a nice, a nice fake out. And then he just, like, goes off and goes to sleep. So there's that, like, that made me respect it a lot more. And then in the second episode, things got a little bit weird because they went out drinking after work. And um, his coworkers got, like, really drunk. And they start, they wanted to play the good old Osama game. So the king's game. And they drew straws. And the person that was the king was, like, I number two and number eight like need to kiss and wouldn't you have it kurosawa and well adachi are number two <laughs> and eight right and so kurosawa grabs adachi and you hear like his inside thoughts it was honestly kind of sad being like he's like i don't really want to do this like so afraid and scared and i'm like i'm sorry of like the, what's going to happen and stuff so 
they don't like kiss he just kind of like gives them a little like peck on the forehead and then runs outside and adachi chases after him and they show like a really like um like i'm sorry like that like there were boundaries that were passed there like we're we're not anything like that like my i'm sorry like, he was just like profusely apologizing which was it was kind of sad but then adachi follows it up with he was like it's all good but i kind of liked it and so that's where we are now all right you said that was this was like low key your favorite of the season. In low low key, it's like pretty funny, yeah. Just seeing the boss having this like really cold, not cold, but like really well put together demeanor, but inside he's just full gay panic for the main character is pretty fun. Right. That does sound pretty cool. And I think that's see. it. That's it for us. Real quick, everybody's top three for the season. Are we including, like, new shows? I mean, sorry, are we including, like, the previous anything, season? Anything not? you're watching. So, including old. No. I'll do new shows um, only. Okay. I'll say Sign of Affection, yeah. Cherry Magic, and then... Uh, Delicious in Dungeon? Nice. Either that or gushing over magical girls. Right. <laughs> it was one of <laughs> like those. Like, unironically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, mine are... Uh, mine are uh, in no particular order. Uh, Delicious in Dungeon, Metallic Rouge, and Sengoku Yoko. Nice. Um, out of the new ones, I'd probably say uh, Dungeon Meshi, Sign of Affection, and either Metallic Rouge or Sengoku Yoko. But like, if we include like sequels, then Kingdom would definitely be in there. And right. like from previous seasons, I still love like Freerun, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think my top three would be Dungeon Meshi, Freerun, and Gushing. Yeah, those are definitely the three shows I'm looking forward to the most every week. <laughs> Watch them as soon as they drop. Other stuff I can, like, put off, wait, have something to watch in the dead period between Monday and... <laughs> like, anything that isn't Saturday where everything fucking comes out. <laughs> yeah. It's like a fucking, like, avalanche. Yeah, it's like Friday, Saturday, that's like half the stuff I'm watching. My, my audio died, so what was your last one, Panic? My last one is Gushing. Ah, okay, okay. It's so fun. It's so it unhinged. Is. It's Crazy. really. Can't, it's, can't it's wait to see where eat. they go. <laughs> the, the places will go. It's a show. Right. It's one of the. Bad Dove, do not eat. Bad Dove, do not eat. Good show, do watch. Um, and with that, oh, I think that's it for us. We somehow went three and a half hours. I was hoping to go a bit. Like less than two the goal was like under two i can't believe I don't, it i don't know what i'm what i'll have like i would have to cut the number of shows we talk about down to like seven <laughs> what did i do think that? we just need to accept that this is gonna take like three like three and a half a hours hard, every time like, deadline like okay 10 yeah. minutes yeah. per show something like that but no i guess we could like um, i guess we could just reduce the like amount of like returning shows we talk about in future yeah. maybe maybe that's the move yeah there, are, there were a lot of carryovers though 
Yeah, yeah, yeah there are a lot of areas. Some of them Nigeria are worth talking it. about a second time, like Freerun stuff like that. So, I agree. I, I generally yeah. actually like a lot of the carryovers, but it's, yeah. it's just that it takes up so much time because there's so many. Yeah, right. So, yeah. In, <laughs> speaking of carryover, we're done carrying on. We're done talking. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining me, guests. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah it's no been problem. a pleasure. It's been great. A lot of good discussions. Um, I'll be doing this again in like end of April next season. Uh, might do a little uh, like midway through dungeon meshy thing with Sinris. I'm gonna go ahead and promise that on behalf of both of us. I know me and Bex are going to do an episode about Madam Web <laughs> when that comes out. For some reason, we're both very much into the Sony Spider-Verse. We were going to do an episode on Craven, but that got delayed, so now Madam Web is the next one. Craven soon after. It's going to be a yeah. glorious train wreck. I still think the Morbius episode we did was one of the best ever. <laughs> it was so fucking stupid. Oh, uh... Two things then. One to uh, Sinris, if he ever, if he ever actually makes it this fucking far. Um, if you're willing to do the Thunderbolt fantasy pod, I'd love to be on. Uh, second thing uh, for like live action stuff is if anyone ever wants to do a pod on the Iron Claw, uh, I would be happy to join you. Ooh, that might be a shout to Bex. He watches every movie, just every every single fucking thing. He never joined to talk oh, about. He had threatened to join this pod and talk about Ingrid Bergman, but he didn't, so I'm disappointed with that. <laughs> then again, you know, he would have been I, here for another hour. If he yeah, did. literally would have been like we, four we hours been longer. For a lot longer, yeah. Uh, it's also like a call out to Prime, because I know Prime also watches wrestling. Oh, oh it's a wrestling movie? Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. It's, uh, it's a wrestling movie. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. with that said, thank you everybody for watching. Thank you, you guys, for joining me. And... Yeah. See you next time. <laughs> Goodbye. See Bye. you next time, Panic. This was real Bye. fun.